This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news. Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Punching Up, a Nintendo podcast, is brought to you by you. If you want to learn how to support our show, Go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Welcome to Punching Up, your bi-weekly Nintendo podcast from Last Stand Media. I'm back. It's your boy, Dustin, your host, back from Japan. Before we get into any of that, let's introduce our lineup. Mama Micah, how are you? You know, Dustin, I'm doing well. Happy to see you again. As you you know, mentioned, we were kind of getting ready for this. We hadn't spoken in person since you've yeah. gotten back from Japan. You know, we sent each other messages. I've talked to mm-hmm. Holly, but uh, it's good to see you again. Haircut looking real good. Did you get that done before the trip? During what? What's the story on the haircut? So the the haircut was I was already thinking about it. I was like, yeah, I think it's time. I've enjoyed long hair, but I think it's time. And then. Before I went to Japan, I realized it's going to be hot, very hot still, even in mid-September. And it was uh, between 85 and 90 every day and also 80 degrees at night and very humid. So I cut my hair before I went and I was I didn't regret it, but I was unsure. I was like, hopefully it's worth cutting for, you know, to save myself later And then immediately step out of the Tokyo airport. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, I'm so glad I cut it because it would just immediately. It was the type of humidity and hot where you start sweating and it does not dry. It can't dry because there's too much moisture in the air for it to go anywhere. So and see, I'm surprised just only because like your photos, you guys looked cool and comfortable. Like I'm and I mean this genuinely (laughs) in none of your photos. Did you guys look like hot and sweaty or like you were in like a jungle? So you definitely yeah. made the right call because otherwise, yeah, maybe like your hair would have been like a bit like when you're like when you have long hair and it gets like limp and it's kind of like oh, stuck to yeah. your forehead and it's like everyone can just tell like it's really hot. 
but mm-hmm. like your photos, you guys looked completely comfortable the whole time. I had no idea that's what the weather was that you were experiencing. Dude, the so the one photo I don't post on Instagram very often, but I did post the one of us in front of the Tory gates at the one the one uh, shrine, temple, whatever. And this one was on top of a, a mountain that we realized mm-hmm. we knew we'd be going uphill. But then we realized they're like, oh, this is a whole fucking mountain. We're going to climb up, <laughs> which we did. And it was great. But that one photo of me, if you look on my Instagram, my shirt is drenched. It was the sweatiest I was. It was practically like I think I could have squeezed sweat out of it. It was so bad. because so we're just climbing this mountain. And it's mm-hmm. I, that was in Kyoto or Kyoto. So it was a little further south. So it was a little warmer than Tokyo. We were just. Oh, I missed that yeah. one. I didn't stalk your Instagram enough. It was rough. It was it was real bad. But but yeah, I'm glad to be back. But also our boy Dagan Moriarty. Hello, my peeps. Oh, oh, how are you, man? It's good to see you guys. Good morning. You know what I love, if nothing else, about doing punching up? Mm. I can have coffee while I do the show because Mm. same thing for you guys, right? This is the we don't record any other shows in the a.m. hours. This is the yeah, only this is, try not to. This is the only one. So I this think. is legit coffee time. Mm-hmm. Which I so salute everybody. Cheers. Enjoy Cheers. your coffee, your tea. Dude, this is one of the one shows that I don't have coffee when I record. I just didn't I was I was flustered trying to get a million things together before recording and it just didn't There's a lot to do. It didn't happen, but I always drink coffee in the afternoon, morning and afternoon. It's probably not good for me. I'm probably gonna die. I'm I'm sure you're adding years to your life Dagan whereas me I'm like giving them to you by drinking the coffee constantly but thank you for saying that yeah yeah it's probably (laughs) do you get do you get like jittery from too much coffee or are you just cutting back just because you know what the thing is I only I only allow myself two cups a day Mm -hmm. so I really look forward to it's like the thing that drives me in the morning to get all the shit done like walk the dog feed the dog get through like the menial chores so I could get to my coffee but the thing that I find if I if I for some reason, which rarely happens that I don't have coffee by the late afternoon, say I start getting headaches from not mm. having the caffeine. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm hooked on caffeine, but I can't see not drinking coffee. Yeah, I can't see it. You know, those rare times, like let's say you're you're you feel like you have the onset of the flu, like you feel like a virus mm. coming on. And for me, when that's the only time I ever feel like I don't want coffee. Like I feel sick, so I don't want coffee. Maybe tea, right? Yeah. I can't imagine. But even then, it's hard because you're like, you feel like something's missing. And I know it's the caffeine, but I'm, I'm in that mode where I just I have to ignore that. Like I know sure. I'm addicted, but let's just, let's just say it is what it is, right? You know, there are certain, I, I don't know. Obviously, in a lot of cases, addiction is considered a bad thing. No one wants to be dependent on a chemical substance, especially you think of like hard drugs and stuff like that. But I just am perfectly fine being addicted to caffeine Uh, as long as you got to. Obviously, there are are bad, a bad level of a day. If you're drinking caffeine constantly or you're jittery, then that's not going to be good either. But. You know, shout out caffeine. It's some people say that's the reason the enlightenment happened, because that was the switch from people drinking alcohol throughout the day. They started drinking coffee throughout the day and then they started to have good ideas. So <laughs> that's that's I never thought of that as a stimulant versus a, dep- you know, something mm-hmm. that causes depression. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's a possibility. 
So we gotta have a vice. Everybody needs one vice. So just if you have one, just chalk it up to that thing and just try to keep it at that one thing. Maybe two. Sure. Maybe yeah. Two. Maybe two. And occasionally three on only on the weekend. <laughs> Last but not least, but I guess not really introducing our boy Gene is not here this week. I have two write-ins to address this. First of all, let's go straight to these. Chef Boy RG writes in, says, Hi everyone. I wanted to give a huge shout out to Gene for doing such an excellent job hosting the last episode of Punching Up. Gene, I'm impressed by your insight and capability to include everyone in discussion, no matter the topic. You're a natural. Maybe Dustin should take some more vacation vacations so we can get Dagan and Micah in the hot seat next time. All kidding. I love you all, and I hope you have a wonderful day, Chef. Chef, you were bordering on the, you know, the compliment to somebody that's kind of an insult to someone else. Little just kind of dancing around that. I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, but let's go ahead and read this other one, too. Is this Johannes uh, Holmberg Wyke? Wow. Could your name be any more European? Goodness. Hey, uh, hey, everyone. <laughs> I just wanted to send a quick shout out to Gene regarding his recent tweet. Hope all is well uh, at or at least it gets better soon. Gene is a blessing to the Last Stand family, and the Last Stand family deserves to be happy and content in their personal lives. Thank you for your awesome work, Gene, and everyone else associated with this pod and Last Stand in general. Agreed. So, agreed. Now, agreed. is that... I'm not saying it is Gene writing those two letters, but I'm not saying it's not Gene. Hey, there. you can have as many emails and as many Patreon accounts... Is your little heart That's desires. True. So oh this could God. be a whole op that we don't know about. But he's sneaky. Yeah. Gene is not with us today specifically, as uh, you may have seen on Twitter. He is dealing with a few health related things that I'll let him talk about in his own time. But know that I did talk to him and he is uh, right now. The plan is that he won't be taking any extended time off of this show. Anything is subject to change when you're dealing with health issues like this. And we want to we I told him, like, whatever you need, we're here for you. We'll give you whatever you want. Uh, if you need time, if you don't want to take time, that's fine. And he just said, maybe not this week, but after that, I should be good. So we're letting Gene have this breather. And, you know, he did put in all that extra effort last week being the host. I heard he did fantastic. I meant to listen to it just because I thought it would be interesting to listen to uh, a show that you know, that I was the host of, but I'm not there, but I didn't get a chance to. So I heard it was great. I heard people were very positive. So you guys had a good time. No, we had a good time. I got to say my highlight is talking about Tomb Raider and Gene started talking about, you know, some very, some very, you know, sultry things (laughs) in regards to Lara Croft. And I just remember thinking this isn't where I thought it was going. But that's the magic of Gene. You don't know where a topic could go. You don't know what to expect. Gene's a natural podcaster, and certainly we're going to hope that he's back on the show very soon because, mm-hmm. I mean, he adds, it, Gene is our element X, you know, like the guy's making the Powerpuff Girls and he adds a little too much of that and you end up with the, the magic he women. Really is. That, that's our Gene, you know, he's the yeah. element X that adds adds a little something special. But <laughs> yeah. certainly, Dustin, glad to have you back. That's not a backhanded compliment. No, we are very glad to have you back at the helm. Thank not you. at all. Yeah, he picked yeah. it up right where you left off, Dust. He really did. But, you know, what are we going to do without the Gene-isms? Mm, you know, exactly. The inappropriate. You know what's funny about Gene? You, you're surprised when it comes out, but then you wonder why you were surprised. Exactly. It's like, why am I surprised? Right. Exactly. It always goes the same. It's always the same trajectory. And it, but it's so authentic. 
you yeah. know, there's there's nothing not genuine about everything mm. he's saying. He just, I don't like, you know, just get rid of the buffer and just say it. And that's what he does. And I don't know. I just, I already, I already miss him. So I hope it's a speedy return for, for the old Gino. Yeah. So we, we need to, we need to pick up the slack. Hopefully someone can share some kind of a sexual exploit or desire during the show, something like that. Kind of pick up his slack. <laughs> we'll try to do it. Justice, Crazy something. We'll see. I just, I don't know if I'm interesting enough of a person to even attempt to do that. But He's so interesting. That's the thing with Gene. He's just, that an out and out interesting dude. Yeah, you know? exactly. We'll try. We can't. We we'll we'll try. But there's no, there's no substitute. You know what I mean? No. You need the unless real we got the guy from the Dos Equis commercials, the most interesting man in the world. Mm. I mean, they call him that. I think Gene is the most interesting man in the world. But if we could get the Dos Equis guy, yeah, that might be the only suitable replacement. Yeah, yeah. the Dos Equis guy is now the second most interesting man in the world. Let's be honest. Yeah. I'll at, agree to that. Know, at best. Yeah, absolutely. So this is punching up, as I mentioned. This comes from Last Stand Media. And if you like the show, uh, then may I suggest checking out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Media, where we post this show every other Tuesday early for our patrons at the $5 level. And then at uh, on Friday, everyone else gets it. So get in a little bit of that early access. The audio is ad free. And so, yeah, they, it just, just think about it. you get access to all the sacred symbols plus defining Duke ultimate, all of our other stuff, constellation early knockback early. It really is quite a deal at just $5. Or if you want to go down, even there's a $1 tier and there's higher stuff. So have to shout out that of course, because that's how we're able to do this. So thank you to our patrons. And uh, like I said, just think about it. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So with that said, let's get into some random stuff. I wanted to have a brief moment here to talk about the Nintendo Direct that mm. happened two weeks ago. And the angle I wanted to put on this was I put down, I wrote in my notes app, just some brief thoughts on a few games and, and different things that stuck out to me since this was a, an interesting experience getting to watch this Nintendo Direct because I was in Japan and it aired at, I want to say, 11 p.m. there. Oh. So it was a nice little, you know, treat before going to bed, cool. being able to watch that, which it's never that late here. It's always either in the morning or after, yeah. maybe afternoon even. But so that was nice to be able to watch that. And let me tell you guys something else, too, behind the scenes. This isn't behind the scenes, but just ironic. I have not I've left a few times 
but never without my laptop. I always can work mobile, right? Never left left since 2018. I leave one time. And then there's a Nintendo Direct and a state of play in the, on the same fucking day. <laughs> How does this happen? Because this is this is what create those two elements or just w- any kind of stream. That's the number one thing to inject chaos into the production pipeline. And we have both. We have two in one yeah. day. Now, yep. I know you guys ended up just kind of recording slightly later and that was fine. But dude, the, and the, the state of play at the same time, it's just like, why? So let's talk about uh, some of these games. Well, okay, I'll just go over my little list here. So first of all, the Mario versus Donkey Kong, another remake, another. It seems like is Nintendo leaning too heavily into remakes? And I know that this is kind of a more, you know, you can call any Nintendo title really obscure, but a lesser known title. And I thought it was weird that there was a remake of a puzzle game. Now. Granted, most people probably playing this. It's been so long they don't remember the puzzles, but that seems like maybe it should have been a remix, something else or a sequel. Mm -hmm. It just felt a little weird. I was curious how you guys felt about that. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, So for me, I had never heard of the game. That was one that was just completely off my radar. I never got to play it. Didn't know it existed. So when it was first like shown, I'm like, oh, this is a neat little concept. And Mm. like my immediate reaction was this would be an awesome gift, like for my nephews type thing. Finding out that it was like a remake. I it is an interesting point you bring up, Dustin, that, yeah, it's a puzzle game. You can assume, I guess, that people haven't played it in so many years that maybe they would Mm -hmm. want to play it again. But I would agree that maybe a better choice would have been a sequel, but maybe they're planning that. Maybe they're going to do this first, get people back on board with the concept, and then maybe in a year or two, we will see an actual sequel to it if it does Mm. well. You know, maybe this is just one of those titles that they want to revive with minimal effort first. Like, you know, let's just kind of make it look pretty, do that first. And then if people like it, we'll build a whole new one from scratch. Like, maybe that's the angle they're going with. Yeah, I think that would make sense. Dagan, I'll throw this to you and we don't need to to break down all these. I just thought this one was particularly strange in that. And we'll talk about the big remake uh, in a minute. But Mm. Nintendo, there's been kind of a sentiment that like, oh, they're kind of they're riding out the end of switch on remakes because there's this one. There's Super Mario RPG remake and then Paper Mario. We'll talk about in a minute. But lot of remakes here is, do, is this bothersome to you because i feel like in some sense nintendo fans just don't care <laughs> like it's just like yeah uh, awesome I, we like remakes just as much as we like new games so how are you feeling about the remake culture on switch yeah there's a i i think you're right dust i think there's a large sentiment amongst the nintendo purists of like it doesn't matter if it's a nintendo ip just give it to me type of thing For me, honestly, it doesn't bother me. The remakes don't bother me as long as they're giving us new stuff, too. I don't want to see the remake culture replace the new stuff. And later on, we'll talk about, you know, Switch 2 or Super Switch and what we'd like to see. And I would love to see a new IP from Nintendo. You know, they have the creativity. They have the innovation. I would love to see that. So I don't want to see the remake thing replace new stuff, you know, like we see in pop culture and entertainment throughout so as long as that's not a thing but i like the mario donkey kong thing because i knew of that series dating back never played but i love that it's like a real reverent send up graphically musically 
and gameplay wise to OG Donkey Kong, you know, the early Donkey Kong games. Mm -hmm. So it has all of that Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. You got Pauline in there. I like that because I'm an old dude and I love sort of, you know, that sort of reverent nod to classic Nintendo. But I don't the remakes don't bother me. I know people see it as a cash grab and sort of a cash cow and everything like that. You could you could buy it. You could be in. You could be out. So you kind of have the choice, you know, speaking with your wallet. We talk about that a lot on the show. But as long as they're like Michael makes a good point, a lot of it is kind of dredging up nostalgia and feels and everything like that because they're going to continue the series at some point with a new entry. So it's kind of seasoning people for that and getting them primed. But mm. as long as it's I don't I don't mind it because I, honestly, if it's good and if Nintendo makes it, it's probably going to be good. Then we're just getting more content, but just right. make sure you're giving us the new stuff. And I'm I'm perfectly satisfied with that. I think there's something to be said, too, that Nintendo is gearing up for Donkey Kong to somewhat share the spotlight. I maybe not permanently, but I think there's a Donkey Kong era is upon us specifically because and I saw this when I was there, there are building the Donkey Kong expansion to Super Nintendo World. Oh, so I think that's a big element, too. And obviously, Donkey Kong in the movie was very popular. Seth Rogen. Yeah. Do you so, think it's the Seth Rogen sort of new Super Mario movie thing? Or do you think that's kind of trying to welcome in the older people? As I'm, well? not, I'm not honestly. Or maybe a mixture of both. Probably a mixture of both. And the, the rumor has been for a while is that the Mario team has been working on a Donkey Kong game. It's been around so long, though, that with Nintendo rumors, you know, we've had rumors about a new F-Zero game for yes. years and years, and that's never <laughs> happened. There was a Star Fox racing game at one point that never happened. So who knows? But I feel like there's a there's a rumbling in the air of of Donkey Kong, and this might just be part of the beginning. This is a total aside. But Dagan, I have to ask you about this. Yeah. Been interested in Game Boy stuff recently for reasons I'll get into later in the show. Did you know that the Game Boy version of Donkey Kong is a wholly unique game and not just a port of Donkey Kong for the Game Boy? No, I just I learned this recently because I almost picked it up. Um, but if you look at a and PSA for the audience, too, I'll put this in the chat. Just looking at gameplay of this old Donkey Kong. I can't believe they haven't put it on Nintendo Switch online. They yeah, if, that's weird. If the Donkey Kong era is yeah. upon us then surely this will come soon but yeah this is a whole ass i never knew this different game for game boy and they just label it like it's just a donkey kong arcade a shitty arcade port for the game boy but it's, that is really really strange that they would do that isn't that it, i i yeah. that kind of blew my mind when i found that out uh recently but yeah because that's og game boy right which i wasn't mm -hmm. i wasn't i wasn't on board with game boy until the gba so oh, i missed okay. a lot of that stuff unless it was like one of my and one of Colin's little friends looking over their shoulder or something. I completely sure. missed. Interesting. OG spinach. Spinach Game Boy, as I like to call it. Yeah, interesting. If you're out there and you're a fan of what's known as Donkey Kong 94, let us know. Hmm. So back to the Nintendo Direct. Shout out to the Spy Family game, which I saw. I didn't, I didn't hear the segment, but I heard there was some confusion about Spy X Anya. For the Nintendo Direct, if you guys remember this random segment, this yeah. game is probably not going to be great. It's an anime game, so it's probably low budget, not going to be very good. 
I just recently got into Spy Family. I've been reading the manga and it is awesome. It is delightful. It is cute. It is funny. I cannot at least the manga. And I've watched the first episode of the anime, but I'm doing a thing where I'm actually trying to read the manga first. So we'll see. I'm reading the manga. Holly and I both absolutely love this show and a persona style spy family game of playing as Anya going to school and then doing funny missions and stuff outside of school looks awesome. This was this was very cute. I'm excited to play that and check it out. The Princess Peach Showtime. We have a title now. I'm kind of unsure how I feel about this game. I think it's cool. We're getting another Princess Peach game, but I felt like I don't know when I'm seeing the trailer. I just don't feel like it looks particularly awesome. I couldn't put my finger on it about what about this game isn't isn't really speaking to me, but. So, yeah, a, a, a thing for that. Sora Amiibos finally announced. Fantastic. That's the only Amiibo I'll buy two of. Buy one and open it. Put it in a jar. Maybe We knew you were going to be excited about this one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've been waiting for the Sora Amiibo. And this is one. Yeah, like I said, I'll buy a second one and keep it in the box. WarioWare Move It. This game doesn't look very good either, but I'm also very intrigued to play it. Me too. Micah, how are you feeling? I know that you're intrigued by one to switch but you don't have you know you don't want to play that game by yourself so i'm assuming this is the case with you as well yeah well what i wrote in my notes for that game was that this game is cursed the poses are awful because specifically the poses just looked bad maybe it's Mm. because they were showing like adults playing the (laughs) game but i mean they just were horrendous like they just (laughs) they were very suggestive it was just uncomfortable and i was like i wouldn't want to play this with other people i also wouldn't want to play this alone i just felt like some of the some of the ways they had the people moving i was like who did this like who thought that this was a good idea it just looks so awkward I don't know, like I motion games can be a bit awkward to play, but like the poses they chose specifically were just bizarre. And I just remember watching that and feeling like I don't want to watch this anymore. It was just too Mm -hmm. weird. Well, shed some light on that for me, you guys. Is that suggestive element on purpose? Because that's definitely clear in all the gameplay footage and trailers like this stuff. Like what? Like what am I looking at here? That's not intentional. I mean, it's hard or to say, it? right? Because it's a game for children. I know. So it shouldn't be intentional. But <laughs> but then, and that's my question too, is is the reason it's weird because they're showing like a grown man doing some of these things and that's what mm. makes it feel weird? Would it have been more silly if it was a kid and I less weird? But it, it was, it's like, it feels intentional in the way that like, yeah, how can you look at that any other way? Some of the movements they were doing were just <laughs> odd. Yeah, it's definitely... It's probably intentional to some degree, but I also think that we are uh, more messed up. <laughs> like, just a, I know, like, not, not messed up, but seeing things as more suggestive than they need to be, you know? So maybe there's an element of that, yeah, too. That's maybe a good not. point. That's a really good point. I yeah. don't know. I like no. the low rent on purpose graphics. Like, for me, that's like a barrier for entry that's just and you know what that started with probably like things like parappa right where it's charming mm. but it kind of looks like a kid drew it right yeah right and then they had this is kind of like what some of that but also like the cg version of that like mm-hmm. low poly shitty graphics on purpose like it didn't you know obviously low budget i yeah. love that look so just that enough I, what is it november 3rd that game's coming out i'm in 
Yeah, I didn't write I it down. To. So I'm just Michael. Michael, November we're gonna 3rd. play it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do it. We, you and I are gonna do this, do this together, and we're gonna see how really just how weird it really is. How yeah. odd. You know it, what it felt like is like a modern game of Twister. Twister's very fun, one of the all-time great box games. But Twister could get weird. Like mm-hmm. there was a moment oh. where you're like, I didn't want to be this close to this person. We're stepping over each other. Like there's always a moment where you're like, I don't like this anymore. That's almost what it felt like to I me. Of that. like, this looks silly and fun, but there's a there's a line. Twister definitely, especially if you play if you're playing this as a teenager. There's sexual tension involved with uh, of course. It, it just gets weird, Twister. man. And okay, there's there's you think of like the good kind of sexual tension where it's pref- well, okay. I guess if if you're gay and it's a, a guy on guy, that would be preferred. So okay, depending on whatever your preferred uh interest is. But like, okay, let's say in my situation, there's gonna be some weird sexual feeling to it if you're playing with a girl, because there's that element, but you're also still you're your parts are getting a little close, no matter who you are or what you're interested in. So there's going to be tension there. It might not be the kind you like, but I think we need to ban Twister, period. No, no, no. it's a great game. It's just, it's for, Twister has a cutoff of age like 10, I think. Like, I oh, think see, the real Mike, I was gonna... Twister's just for, for actual children. That's one, that's one way of looking at it. But think about it. This has been like the teenage, let's say 13, 14 year old icebreaker party game since the 60s right like that was like kids first like meandering into like anything sexual it's like we're gonna play twister at the party you know hopefully clothed at that age and everything like that (laughs) but you know what i mean like that was like the seventh grade icebreaker game it was like twister that was the foray into later on what would you play like spin the bottle and seven minutes in heaven but that was like that was the um, the gateway, right? Twister yeah. was like the so you can't yeah. you can't lose it. Then of course when you're when you're a little one, yeah, you know what? I don't know. I don't like the shattering of the innocence because when you're little and you're playing Twister, you're not thinking of it that way, right? No, but then all of a sudden silly. it gets you're turning it into smut. <laughs> you know these. You know yeah. When you're a teenager, it's like oh no, we fell on top of each other playing Twister. Some some things got moved around. Anything's possible <laughs> in the world of Twister. That's the thing. That's uh, you know I'm I'm just I'm just not so sure of. But there is a lot of do. Okay, so Micah, you grew up as a, a church kid as well, though yeah. very different type of church than mine. But still, when I was growing up. These youth group games, some of these also imbued sexual tension that I wonder if it was intentional. There, there was this game. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe I think about this game to this day that sometimes gets that we would play. I, there's no way they would play it now. It's called Honey, If You Love Me. Has anyone heard? Have you guys heard of this game at all? No. no. Someone else out there that was also a youth group kid going up knows what I'm talking about. Let me tell you about this game. It's kind of like there's there's uh, for all the people, they sit in a circle and then you have one person stand up and you remove their their chair. So there's one missing chair. And this person needs to go around the circle and sit on someone's lap and then say, honey, if you love me, will you please just smile? And that person has to try not to smile. And oh. that's the game is you've got teenagers sitting on each other's laps. And yeah, I'm just I'm just dumbfounded about it by this now that this yeah, is a. This That's is crazy. not a game. That's a case for the Pennsylvania Police Department. <laughs> Let's, okay, wait. I gotta search. 
Connie, if you love me. I mean, like that. It's you got your police you're taking, like, you're taking like musical chairs and making it weird. I mean, like okay, that's, I've never heard of this. I found this on a website called Ultimate Camp Resource. Honey, if you oh. love me. What? <laughs> Though this involves, it says asking questions and getting others to laugh. So I, mean, I don't know. Maybe this was a. Uh, well, I have here, so many questions. There was never yeah. any adults involved in this. Okay. In this, they was only with the kids, but I, I don't know. I don't know. What's statute the, of limitations there's a word for that this. though too isn't it like when you're watching somebody misbehave that's a whole other thing maybe yeah, they enjoy weird. that yeah I, i'm concerned yeah yeah, maybe, yeah I, I, I have i don't know maybe maybe this is something to be i, I mean i don't feel concerned i didn't feel concerned at the time i, I don't think for you i think the church i think the church may be getting a visit from pittsburgh swat <laughs> any, any second they may be repelling down the down the building at any, at any i have a, i have one question sure now, this is obviously a mixture of boys and girls. Obviously, it's a slightly different time, but you're mm -hmm. still pretty young, so not that long ago. Mm -hmm. So were boys sitting on boys' laps and girls sitting on girls' laps, and it was a complete mixture, or did it – I mean, what was, what was the uh, dynamics Total there? Total mix. Total mix. Really? Okay. Yes. Right. Because right. sometimes you could, you could skirt by and have a dude sit on a dude's lap, and that was it was funny or whatever. Like you could yeah, pay, I get that. use a girl's okay. voice or something, you know. Right. Like, oh, I don't even love me. Like, you know, something like that. And so, that that takes away from the the would-be sexual mischief of it, I think, too. Because I don't know. I don't know. Maybe about it makes that, it Damon. worse. Some of these guys grew <laughs> grew up, uh, became different people. So, you know, any that there it like Mike is saying, it could not. It could this not have been. This has gone into gene territory without gene faster than Good. I could have ever imagined. I wasn't trying to do. I was just. I'm just telling you about my reality. Uh, I like of it. growing up. So I love it. I'm concerned, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was like about. I'm like, how do I segment? I, I'm not trying to to push us out of this. I'm. You know, but I got to move on somehow. And there's no clean break from this. So let's just do it. The last thing I put was what the fuck, Paper Mario, the Thousand Year Door is getting a remake. The only thing I have to say about this, and then we can get into some actual news because I don't want to go over every little thing. You guys did it last week, but I knew people would ask about my opinion about a few of these things. And I posted a tweet about this is that any old game that I play gets remastered or remade. Metal Gear Solid played through most of those games. They're re-releasing them. Uh, Tomba played through that in the last year. They're re of all games. Can you believe it? One of the most obscure titles ever. And they're, oh, we're, we're re remastering it. Fantastic. That's great. There's another example, too, of something else that, oh, Suikoden. I started playing those yeah. and they remastered those. I started Paper Mario. I put it down for a little bit because I wanted to play other RPG stuff. But I'm I am mid Paper Mario, the thousand year door playthrough right now. I have my GameCube hooked up oh, that's to my funny. TV and they announce a remake. So I don't know. I don't know if this is a blessing or a curse, but it keeps happening to me. I got to say this remake looks awesome, though. The the quality, the the way they did, like the new lighting, it just uh, I think the old game still to this day holds up playing it through uh, on my TV. I have the Eon adapter, so it, it goes straight to HDMI and it looks fantastic. But I was really excited to uh, see this. It'll be a nice little one of the swan song games to the switch will be this Paper Mario remake. Have either one of you played this by curiosity and are you interested like Micah? Have you check this out yeah i'm very interested in this it's a game that i've seen you know some gameplay of online but never played it myself 
So when this was included in the direct, I was really excited because just as you mentioned, Dustin, it's not impossible to play these games. Certainly, you know, you've gone ahead and done that yourself. But for me, it does feel like quite the hurdle to overcome of like, I don't really want to go through all the headache to try and get this game and, you know, do all that. So I'm thrilled that it is coming to Switch because like for me, it's just the most easy, you know, accessible way to play. I'll say, Dustin, if the secret to getting a game remastered is for you to play it, I need you to go play <laughs> Seventh Dragon 3 on 3DS and have that put on Switch because that's like my all-time favorite JRPG and I'd love it to be on Switch. But you wow. know, right now it's locked away on the 3DS. I oh. have never heard of this, but I'm looking at it now. Neither. This is a Sega this oh, is a Sega yeah, joint. that's, so that's my not... favorite 3DS game of all time. They only released that one in North America. The other Seventh Dragon games didn't come to North America. That's the only okay. one they ever gave us. I always hoped we'd get more, but they never have. So I need you to play that, and then they'll immediately put it on Switch. Is it I'm Sega looking... developed by Sega? Uh, I'm oh, trying to... Just... I just brought up the box, and it said Sega on it, but oh, let me see if there's... Um... I don't know it either. It's funny, I searched Seventh Dragon and 3, and a Wikipedia page does not come up. <laughs> oh, here it is. Okay, here's one for the whole series. Is it uh, part of the Panzer Dragoon series? Uh. No, so the developer is a company called uh, Imagey Pooch. Okay. Imagey Pooch. Okay. I don't know. Micah, the company was filed for bankruptcy in 2015. Oh. But it doesn't... <laughs> oh, wait. They closed their doors, and they reopened as Mikage LLC. So there's still hope for you still yet, hope. Micah. Still they have, uh, oh, that makes sense, actually, because, yeah, uh, I just looked it up because I couldn't remember what year this came out. Yeah, Seventh Dragon 3 Code VFD came to 3DS, looks like, in 2016. So mm. that must have been after they restructured. But it maybe explains why we only ever got one of them here, because uh. maybe they just aren't very popular. I adored it. It's yeah. one, like one of my all-time favorite games, but... Where else can you play it except on the even stinkier 3DS? Oh. You got the stinky Switch. The 3DS really that she's really starting to stink now. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Dagan, how are you feeling? I, again, I don't want to go too over too much of what you guys did last week, but I have to ask. I have to know about how you feeling about Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door because this is one of the most, in, in my opinion, beloved Nintendo games, especially of the GameCube era. This is yes. one that constantly people like if you before the only way to really play it was to either emulate it or get a disc and the disc is over a hundred dollars now because that's how much people love this is game and talk oh, about it wow yeah so Holy shit how are you feeling about this yeah i know your respective generations this is like a really important franchise for you guys and I, mm. i've long admired the paper mario games from afar i never played thousand year door i was saying we were saying the last episode with gene and micah my biggest recollection of paper of this game coming out initially was that I had the idea for this because it was in the CG 3D era where everything was in the offing 3D. And I, you know, I would say, like, wouldn't it be cool if, Mar if Nintendo just doubled down on 2D and made everything paper, you know, paper mm -hmm. airplanes, dog-eared, loose leaf, whatever. And then they came out with it. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I'm never going to have an idea that they didn't already think of, you know, just like the height of Nintendo creativity. But I, I think it's such a charming premise for a game that maybe this reimagining or, or graphic uh, remake enhancement or whatever 
enhanced version will be my entry into playing it. Will you play it again, Dust, even though you're just playing it now? So that's going to be tough. Buying this copy did indeed cost me $100. So I feel like this debt to play that version. But this game feels like a game that's I'll be too fresh off it. And the remake looks really good. I can't decide. Yeah, I can't decide what to do. So I don't know. Uh, Leave a comment. Let me know what you think I should do. Should I finish playing the original? Because then I guess the idea is that then you would have the comparison for them both. Yeah. But then it'll be so recent that I won't I feel like I won't get as much enjoyment. It's like I just did this, you know, so I get it. Yeah, it's tough. So we will uh, we'll have to see on that. But yeah, Nintendo Direct, of course, happening while I was gone. But I'm glad we could go over a few of the items there. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. We have a bit of a light news week, but here's the thing, guys. We are Nintendo fans, and so we're taking any crumbs that we can get about Nintendo Switch, the sequel, Super Switch, Nintendo Switch 2, whatever you want to call it. And I thought that even though this isn't much of a news item, it's an interesting conversation point and something interesting overall. So this comes from Tom Henderson over on Twitter, who is a well-known and reliable leaker of all video game information and here's his tweet that i want to read to you guys and then i have a topic of discussion as well and he said really excited for the nintendo switch 2 and its tech we'll see quote launching on xbox x and s playstation 5 nintendo switch 2 and pc a heck of a lot in the next 12 to 18 months Mm. so like i said this isn't a ton to go off of but it did make me interested in thinking about the power aspect of the new switch and some just some confirmation that we will see the bump in switch that will keep it in line with current gen playstation 5 series x hardware and that's a pretty exciting i I didn't include this in a write-up but i also saw a rumor going around that the next far cry game will also potentially be launching a be a launch title for the next switch so i'm wondering nintendo has always had this balance of power and price performance here and so this whole time i've been keeping i've been feel like i'm trying to reserve myself on what the power of this next switch Mm. and, and keeping my expectation as low as possible But then I hear things about, I assume, but maybe not for sure, that this next Far Cry game will be next gen only. 
And so that's and the fact that it could also be launching on Switch at the same time. That's really interesting. And, and I guess in general that we are deep into now the current generation. We're finally um, getting uh, rid of PS4 and Xbox One. We're kind of finally stepping away from that. And so you feel like that 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 barrier for Switch 2 to jump to get all the way to being cross compatible with uh, these games seems a bit high but it seems like nintendo may be able to squeak it out but not without some compromises as we talked about a few weeks ago where we may not be seeing an oled screen at launch we may be getting a cheaper lcd screen so before i get into uh this question here from our friend devin micah how are you feeling about this idea of like the switch being able the, the next switch being as well powerful enough to stand beside the ps5 and series x see i mean who wouldn't want that but i have my expectations set incredibly low and that's partially just because i think nintendo often does lag behind in terms of the power of the console but i don't usually notice that because of the way i play on nintendo where specifically i'm using the switch for you know, mostly first party games, I'm not using the switch to play very many like third party titles, right? Like I'm not trying to play the Witcher on switch. I I just don't see it working very well. Even if it's passable, I can tell myself that's not the best place to play it, even though I love my switch. So I think part of my sort of acceptance of what the switch is, what Nintendo consoles generally are, is that I'm using that as a Kirby machine, a Yoshi machine, and I don't need it to be super powerful. But, you know, we are starting to see some of the limitations, even with Nintendo's own games of like, wow, the load times in some of these, you know, newer Nintendo games are atrocious, like Pikmin 4, for example. It's like, I'm playing this on their console and the load times were just bad. So I'll say, though, that a big part of sort of me being very low expectation for it is just because I don't know if they can make a jump like that, you know, in one console generation. I don't know. I would hope that their next console is as powerful as like a PS5. Even that sounds far fetched when you say it out loud, because I just don't know if that's their focus. And with the type of games that people are primarily playing on their consoles, I mean, like thinking of playing something like Far Cry 5 with a very cluttered map with so much going on dynamically. And I'm like, really? Like playing the next Far Cry on Switch? That sounds crazy. Like that mm-hmm. sounds absolutely crazy to me. I just I just can't imagine it working super well. I don't know. I don't have the confidence in them to actually do that. Yeah. And it's you mentioned Pikmin. I saw when I was getting the news together, they recently updated and they added progress bars to download oh, really? to when you when you uh, load the game so you can know how long you're gonna it's be waiting crazy. there like i mean this is a brand new game on their own hardware and yeah man you really feel it when you're playing something like that and you're switching between the levels and it takes forever and if you skip the little animation that's supposed to kind of hide how long the loading takes because you've seen it a hundred times already it just takes longer because it's like well now i'm just looking at a blank screen uh, it, yeah. it really is just bad yeah, so Dagan, the one thing that is it, I guess that the the silver lining to my pessimism of the power of of the next switch is that these do run on, or at least the current switch runs on an NVIDIA chip, and NVIDIA's got that secret sauce on PC of 
DLSS. And for any of you non-PC nerds out there, that's a deep learning super sampling. And so what uh, NVIDIA has been doing on the PC's front is that basically you're able to take a game, render it at even as low as 720p, and then through AI, it can upscale the image with almost no latency and give you, in some cases, particularly uh, Death Stranding was one on PC, a, sh- a better image mm. through AI than native resolution. And now we're getting to the point, too, where they're using AI to generate additional frames. So you can have a game that has, you know, I, I'm just making up numbers here, but a game that you're getting 35, 40 FPS on PC and so through DLSS and frame generation, you could get 80 frames, like sometimes more than double the frame rate. And so tying this back to Nintendo, Nintendo currently is using NVIDIA tech. There have been rumors about them using DLSS. And this is kind of, again, a, a little bit of secret sauce that PlayStation and Xbox use AMD and they have some of their own upscaling stuff, but it's not nearly been as impressive as NVIDIA. And so I don't know. Like I said, a little silver lining thinking, hey, if Nintendo can get in on this tech, then maybe this advantage could be much greater than we expect. And it's not going to be as powerful. We can get that out of our mind. It's not going to be as powerful as PS5 or Series X, but maybe there will be an illusion that it will look potentially very comparable. How are you feeling about this thing? Yeah, I like I like the optimism. Mm. I like the glass half full mentality. I'm with Micah. I mean. More sophisticated hardware, higher end, more relevant tech cannot possibly hurt, right? Could only, could only help. And I wouldn't even mind personally, I know this is sort of um, a divisive aspect of the conversation, but I wouldn't even mind an increased price point, like a $400 or $500 console for, let's say, 4K capability or something, you know, something more relevant gen. But honestly, and you know what? And also, I'll say this before I say, before I say my honestly. If it's going to be another seven years with the next generation console, it might, be, it might behoove them to make something a little more capable and a little more long-lasting as far as, especially at the rate the tech is evolving at this point. I don't think, I think it's too much to ask for something even as powerful as a PlayStation 5. Maybe you make it comparable to the PS4. And, mm. but honestly, at the end of the day, with Nintendo specifically, I'm not really looking for that. I think, you know, what we often say on the show is they have to do it with software, they have to do it with games that we want to play. And I think they will continue to do that. You know, there's other, the, the basic gist of it is that there are other, there's other hardware if you, if you want those things. Now, where that gets tricky, and we'll probably talk about this a little in a little bit, is if you only have one thing, then for those people, you have to decide, do I want a PS5? Do I want to just play on Steam? Do I want the Nintendo console? So if there's a choice to be made, you know, for the people that are beholden to just the one option, that's a that's a tricky thing. But I think, you know, for Nintendo, I'm not really looking for the latest tech. And I think they will do it with some sort of smoke and mirrors i think they mm-hmm. will probably pull that out but for me yeah i just want to i just want to play n- the nintendo games you know that's the opinion sure. of a 49 year old gamer that plays at least you know i'm heavily acquainted with playstation with sony and nintendo 
Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't think I don't really think it's necessary to go all out technologically. I feel bad for the people that want everything on Nintendo, but I th- I just think it's asking too much. And I think we know enough of Nintendo that we're not going to get that. You know what I mean? Like I think it's uh setting yourself up for disappointment. Mhm. You know. I, I wish Gene was here because he was kind he's kind of our representative of uh, you know, he plays more modern, advanced games on his Switch. He talks about playing Nier. We talked about how he was interested yeah. in Batman, stuff like that. So I'm curious how he would feel about the, like the idea of, Micah, you brought up, you wouldn't want to play a game like Far Cry on no. Nintendo Switch. And I think that there's a lot of people like that, particularly with the Switch being for a lot of hardcore gamers. Uh, and I think just people that play games in general, the Switch is a secondary device that goes alongside their main console. And so when Far Cry comes out, if you have a PS5 or an Xbox or PC, would you choose uh, a inferior Switch version that may be better on Switch 2, but not as good, but portable uh, instead of something big and beefy on your PS5 or whatever? Yeah, exactly. I guess it's kind of been the case in some cases already with with Switch, but maybe that divide. I imagine that divide will at least be a little smaller that it will make for people that do that. The choice will be a little bit tougher uh, because it won't be quite as bad as uh, look, actually let's get into one of these write ins here because I think it's relevant mm. to the conversation. Uh, this is from user Ottaps. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's all capital letters. Say, hey, Puck punching up crew oh that works okay puck yeah let's go with that is it best that some games simply don't make their way to switch the recent release of mortal kombat 1 on switch has been widely criticized for its look and performance this is in stark contrast to the reception on other platforms while i understand the potential upside of their of making of games making their way to switch such as a massive install base potential sales no one comes out of this looking good the Switch's uh, lack of power is exposed, and NetherRealm's otherwise stellar game now has Switch stank all over it. Although <laughs> I am often surprised at some of the magic being performed with Switch ports, uh, these scenarios do come up, particularly with when they release day and date. What say uh, what's what's say you? Wow, that's a weird way to put that one. Okay, <laughs> so I think that uh, he has a point to some degree that I think there are some instances of games where maybe you need a little more time for that to cook particularly at mortal Kombat. i don't know if you guys saw some of the, oh, the games like horrendous yeah. i think that there was more of an argument for me for the last mortal Kombat game because it came out and don't get me wrong this was stinky as can be but the performance was overall relatively pretty good and i saw that as an option for the most hardcore mortal Kombat players that would potentially buy the game twice and say, yeah, yeah, when I'm mostly playing, playing at home on my 4K TV on a nice console, but on the go, I have this other option that, yeah, it's it's gross looking, but that's not the point. It runs well and it's it's the it's the game. Right. So I think there is a case for that. But and again, this is one I wish we had Gene, because I think of games like Doom Eternal. I would never play that game on Switch in a million years. But yet it exists and they sold enough of the first game to do the second one on on Switch as well. So I uh, so I guess boiling this down into the actual question, 
Micah, do you feel like there are some games that just should have never made it over? How do you feel about this Mortal Kombat 1 situation? How, what are your thoughts? No, I agree with the write-in. I feel like Mortal Kombat 1 is embarrassingly bad. Watching the footage of it, it looks terrible. And I'm not a graphic snob, but when you compare what those games look like on Switch versus other consoles, it is like laughably bad. It's not just that, oh, it's a little less sharp. It's not, oh, it just doesn't look... For example, um, Octopath Traveler 2. I didn't realize how much better it would look on PlayStation until I watched Colin play it. And as an example, when Colin would open up the map on PlayStation, there's this like really pretty like glitter overlay on the PlayStation version. It's not there on Switch because the Switch couldn't do it. And that's okay. That's not really a huge difference. It made me realize, oh, my game can't even have these little particle effects on the screen, right? Like my version of it, which played very well, loading time's a bit long, but otherwise it's a turn-based game. It worked perfectly. But realizing even differences like that in a turn-based game. So imagine something that's so fast-paced like Mortal Kombat and just seeing that difference between those and saying like, this is not this is not good. Like, mm-hmm. I I do agree that some of these games just don't look hardly playable. And if they are playable, it's like, but where where's the best experience? You know, because I, I'll go in like degrees with things. Sea of Stars is another example of it plays mostly well on Switch, but I certainly notice that Colin, you know, the game loads faster for him. But on the load screens, like there's these little icons of your characters like running in the corner. Mine always gets stuck. Colin's don't. You know, things like that, I notice of like, yeah, you're you're technically playing the better version of this, but because of the style of game, I can give it a pass. But some something like, you know, the Batman Arkham collection, it has my curiosity. But I I wonder to myself, that combat is so fast paced and just active. Is this really going to work on Switch? Like, that's honestly a game that I was excited for when it was announced. But now I'm saying I'm going to wait and really watch gameplay, see how this actually plays on here. Cause like, I don't trust it. I, I just mm-hmm. don't, you know, same with like Witcher three. I know it works, but that is certainly not the best way to play that game. And it, I'm a huge Witcher three fan. I wouldn't touch it on switch. Like the idea yeah. of bringing that game portable is a dream come true, but that's not the place to do it. And so I, I agree with the right. And I think there are some games that at this point in time should not be on switch. Like, I I certainly wouldn't be trying to get the new Call of Duty on Switch. That's something that is reserved for PlayStation and Xbox for me. Yeah. So, Dagan, I'll throw this to you and pitch just that, uh, you know, there's a there's the argument about, you know, you wouldn't want to play uh, something this low of uh, quality or something. And I think that Mike is totally especially with a game like one of your favorite games, Mike, like Witcher. I think that there probably is an argument, too, even though Micah and I are on the same train of thought where we wouldn't want to play games in at a, a lower optimal way when we have better ways to play them. But I think in the case, uh, I'll, I will speak for Gene in this one is that he talked about playing near automata where he had already played it on PlayStation four. I played it at a, a really good experience. And so it's, I think that in a lot of these cases, people are willing to say, okay, well I understand this isn't the best way to play this game, but it's portable. But I think to a degree, too, there are situations where it has to still be up to a certain standard. Yeah. Right. So where are you at? Uh, with? Uh, and have you seen this Mortal Kombat footage, Dagan? Yes. And it's egregious. 
<laughs> you know, it's agreed. I mean, if the, the, this is where it, really where it breaks down for me. And I think this is more empathy than anything else. But if you have a choice, you just need to be a little discerning on what you want to play where, right? If you have a Switch and a PS5 or an Xbox or a Steam-capable laptop, you have the choice. You could say, okay, I want to play this here. I'm going to play the Mario game here, but I'm going to play the higher end game that requires a little beefier tech over here. But, you know, there's people that only have one thing, or let's say you're in a household of six people with only two or three screens, right? Then it makes sense to just have everything on the Switch because you could play when you want to play. You don't have to wait for a TV to open up. All those sort of things that are like just, you know, it, it affects this, whatever, you know, the, the different player has a different situation. Right. So you have to go by that. I do. It comes back to the conversation for me, though, of let's say Nintendo did step it up with more powerful hardware. Could they take a large enough slice of the already existing sort of PC, Steam, Xbox or PlayStation communities and these games, you know, these these games that require higher end tech? I wonder if it would even be worth it for them. To make the six hundred and fifty dollar console, because are they are people going to come to it for that anyway? And maybe mm-hmm. they know that you know maybe that's kind of a big part of the conversation. Like we'll offer it as much as we can, and we'll get a smaller slice than maybe Xbox or PlayStation would, and probably we'll get the uh, a fraction of those fans that need to sort of express their enthusiasm by buying it anywhere and everywhere. There's probably Mm -hmm. a lot of those people too. Like I have to get every, you know, I need to play Metal Gear everywhere, right? That type of thing. Right. So it might be, it might be worth it just for that, you know, to say, okay, you'll be able to play some sort of iteration of this game, even with a slower frame rate, let's say, you know, or a, a, a slimmed down graphical interface or whatever, or no particles, you know, we'll have a whole effects animation layer taken out, but just don't look over there because then you won't know what you're missing. You know what I mean? Micah mm-hmm. should never watch Colin playing anything on PS5 if she's also playing it on Switch, that type of thing. Just kind of an agreement to just like, you know, not even just kind of uh, avert your eyes. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought up Steam because I, I, you made me think of something that made me have a, a little bit of a revelation. And that is Steam posts on Twitter and other various social media, their top played Steam Deck games every month. And I was thinking about that, how I think one of the top games was Baldur's Gate 3 on Steam Deck. It does not run very well on Steam Deck. It's not, especially if you're getting into Act 3, to my understanding, early on, it didn't even work on Act 3. Oh, wow. So here's the revelation is that and I want again, I keep I always ask the audience for feedback on stuff as long as you're nice about it. But <laughs> I wonder if the audience, for the most part, is hearing us talk about this and is screaming at us like we don't care, because if you look at a world where Baldur's Gate three, which I think is a beautiful game, is one of the top played games on Steam Deck, which is arguably one of the worst experiences to play that game, then maybe the three of us are totally in the minority on this where convenience may be king overall in terms of of gaming uh and i think that that i don't know i i see i see and i think about stuff like that like maybe that is the case i get that convenience above all you think about parents that only are able to fit in 
10, 20 minutes at a time, something portable. It's like it's either that or nothing, uh, I think, is the case for I think that's I think that's well said. I think there's a probably a larger component of that than we even think, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, yeah, they're not the hardcore gamers that need that sort of. You know, the most extensive experience. Right. They would welcome a slim down, pared down, lower rent version because it's either that or nothing type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and read this question from Devin. Devin Size, who says, hey, punching up crew with the Switch 2 or whatever it'll be called. Better be Super Nintendo Switch uh, <laughs> on the horizon. My question is, what do you guys think will uh, the big launch game will be? Switch had Zelda. What does LSM predict the next Switch will build on? Love to hear it and love the show. I'm going to be quick here. I think it's Donkey Kong. I think Donkey Kong, that's going to be the big push. They're going to have the Donkey Kong game. They're going to have the Donkey Kong Park, part of the park, ready to go. I just and I feel some synergy here with with uh, the big Donkey, the Kong, Mr. Kong himself. So. Micah, do you have any thoughts? What could what can the, the soft? We've talked so much about hardware for the next switch, but how are you feeling about launch software? Yeah, you've actually got my mind going the same direction because when we look at what's coming out, um, like for example, we have Super Mario Bros. Wonder coming out very soon. We have Super Mario RPG, Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door next year. I don't yeah. see them launching the Switch with a Mario Odyssey style, you know, Mario game. I don't see them launching with something like that when we're having all this Mario right now. I mean, maybe you have the, you certainly have a subset of fans for which there is never too much, but I don't think it would hit the same way to launch with a Mario game when you just had several, even including, yes, some of those are remakes, but still just the idea of like, we're getting all these Mario games right here. I don't know if that's what you would launch with. Obviously, we just had a Zelda. So I'm with you in thinking this could really be a great opportunity for a new Donkey Kong game. You know, go with something like that. We're getting the Princess Peach game, you know, as well. Mm -hmm. So this could be kind of like when Nintendo did like the year of Luigi. It's like this could be, you know, (laughs) the year of highlighting other characters. It's like we've got Princess Peach. We could certainly highlight Donkey Kong. I I think that's a great idea. As soon as you mentioned that, in regards to that puzzle game that they're remaking. And that did get my mind thinking of, yeah, you, we have the Mario movie. Kids really liked Donkey Kong. I was always afraid of him when I was a kid, but I guess this new generation <laughs> isn't quite so soft. But so I, I think that is an opportunity for them to revive that, you know, and let's see what they do with it because I think you're onto something. Yeah. So Dagan, a refresher of our the Nintendo Switch launch lineup. Mm. And we'll I'm gonna keep this specifically Nintendo. Okay. Day one, Nintendo had uh three games. They had one two switch, Breath of the Wild, and Snipper Clips. Yes. Where they're three published Hated launch Snipper games. Clips. Oh, I love Snipper Clips. It oh, made yeah. me so anxious. It made me <laughs> it just made me I was so tense. It, I hated it. I hated every second of playing that game. It's like I can play something like Overcooked. But snipper clips gave me like a panic attack. I yeah, yeah. I remember the cold sweats for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Yeah. And they, so that was it. Other than, uh, I guess, say launch window, I can see our Mario Kart 8 was April 28th, which okay. I believe was about a month, month, month later after. Because, yes, yeah, so, well, Switch launched on March 3rd. So about a month later, they did 
Mario Kart, and then we got ARMS somewhere yes, in there, too. Yeah. Nintendo, honestly, and thinking about the Wii U launch in particular, can be pretty light on yes. their own content for, for launches. So keep that with that in mind, what would you like to see? Or what do you expect? What would you like to see and what do you expect? Yeah, I mean, the light, the light launch load is definitely a good point but give them credit for not knee-jerk releasing things that aren't ready right like everybody else does Mm -hmm. i think micah sadly for me makes some really good points about mario but maybe we could kind of flip the coin and look at it as a reverse thing like maybe all this mario content is just an appetizer for the mainline Mm. mario game that's going to be released on super switch it better be super switch by the way yeah. And, you know, so I, but I, what I would love to see from a quote unquote mainline Mario game is Micah mentions Odyssey, maybe something that was a huge departure from mainline Mario, like Galaxy was when we got that. You know what I mean? Like maybe something brand new, something huge in scope, very exciting. I would love, I personally, I would just love to see them launch a console with Mario again. I think it would be really exciting. I think Micah makes a really good point. I think it's probably not going to happen, but in my fantasy world, that would be amazing. And listen, do a two for one, you know, do a double punch with Metroid Prime 4 at the same time. This way you have one in the clip, one in the chamber type of Mm. thing and really make it like a strong launch because Metroid, I mean, we've been waiting for this game forever. And then kind of couple that with a Mario game, that would be like amazing. And just also like, the promise of a new Zelda game at the same time, even if that was going to be two years from launch. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't buy one at that point, right? That would be that. So that would be my dream scenario, but I don't think it's likely to happen. But that's what I would love to see in a perfect world. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I feel like things are, they're not heating up yet. But every it feels like once a week, once every week and a half, we get some kind of little thing like, hey, this game might be launching on next switch. This will yeah. be. And I think teasers. there was a thing sometime between now and the last episode I was on. Uh, I read something Nintendo is pushing for sooner rather than later in 2024. They don't want to wait until Christmas. They want to get it out earlier. But of course, that's all going to depend on software and when things are ready manufacturing stuff like that so obviously as a nintendo podcast this is something we are going to be keeping a close eye on and talking about uh, as we get closer so i guess we'll we'll cap that there and bring that back up like i said in the future so the rest of the news i wrote these down i have like a section for quickies and i have two other news items i'm making these all quickies because when i think about (laughs) it there's not much to talk about Feel free, guys, if you if you have something you want to say, interject or maybe I'll ask a question. We'll see. But Mario Kart 8, the DLC, they're 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 packaging up and giving it to you in a special booster course pass set. If you'd like, it's not an actually a cartridge or anything like that, but you can go to the store and buy it. It has the 48 uh, deluxe uh, Mario Kart 8 deluxe booster course pass, which 48 uh, courses. It has a set of four pins, set of 10 stickers and four art cards. This is mainly just for, I think this is for the kid who gets a target gift card for his birthday. He sees this, he wants it, and then he can get some pins and stuff. So that arrives on, uh, oh, this is a Nintendo UK. So they got the dates 
reversed. This <laughs> arrives October 6th. Yeah, so actually around the time that this podcast comes out. I assume this is US also, but this uh, the tweet I've linked is Nintendo UK. Neither one of you guys played Stardew Valley, right? I did. Never played. Oh, Micah, you did. I'm trying. I, I know we talked about this at some point. So good. This is we can have a, a small discussion about this. Concerned Ape, the tw- uh, developer over on Twitter, posted a sneak peek of the 1.6 content update. Here's oh. a, here's here's on the list here. A new major festival, two new mini festivals, new late game content, which expands on each of the skill areas, new items and crafting recipes. Uh, Jojo alternatives to some of the endgame quests, 100 plus new lines of dialogue, winter outfits for the villagers, new types of rewards for completing billboard quests on PC. You'll be able to do eight player multiplayer. And he says many small additions, new farm type, new secrets and more. So this sounds like a pretty substantial update for Stardew Valley, which is insane to me that this guy, he's making a new game, that chocolatier game. He refuses to stop working on Stardew Valley, and he's not even charging any for this. He's That's just insane. This guy has an amazing story. It's in Jason Schreier's book about game development. Mm. He has a whole chapter on this guy that basically he solo developed Stardew Valley. His girlfriend supported him, and he didn't make an income for years. Drove around in the shitty car and then made Stardew Valley overnight became... A millionaire like a success huge huge success and so shout out to him because stardew valley is an amazing game micah i don't know have you ever jumped back into stardew valley and these types of uh updates relevant to you at all so i've been thinking about it recently because i've been playing switch a lot one of my friends has discovered stardew valley so every time she logs on i see it pop up that she's playing Mm. stardew valley And I have, I think, been waiting for a reason to jump back in because it's it's been a couple years since I've played it. And I got, you know, all the way through in terms of like the objectives. But I am someone who typically with these kind of like life sim games, you know, farming sim games, I do play through the story and then I'm usually done with it. Something like Harvest Moon, the goal, I want to get married and then I'm done with the game. All right. Like that's Mm -hmm. the whole thing. It's very similar with Stardew Valley. I wanted to like I wanted to get married. I wanted to complete all the objectives. So previously, when I kept seeing people talking about like new things in the game, I was like, ah, you know, I, I don't know. But this one actually has me intrigued just because it's already been on my mind. And so I think I would, you know, jump back in, get back into the game for a little bit. I have totally been wanting to play something like this. And, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later with like the what we're playing. But I I want something like this. So this might be the right time for me. You know, whenever this update actually comes out, this would probably be the one that would get me back into the game for the first time in in years. Yeah, that's uh, I'm always intrigued about going back to it. It's such a it's a time sink, but a good one. But yeah, so check that out. If you guys are interested, that's coming. It's just sneak peek still in development and then three more little things and i say little but i have to ask you guys about this mario wonder i found out while doing the nose has no collision in multiplayer Mm -hmm. that's really intriguing to me because i can't stand in the old new super mario brothers games that you're playing multiplayer and people are just bumping against each other you're accidentally picking people up dagan does that do you know what i'm talking you have kids i'm sure you've played new super mario bros is this make this more appealing to maybe sit down and, and play with the kids at the fact that you're not going to be, 
you know, headbutting each other constantly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's just a lower barrier for entry across skill levels, right? Mm-hmm. Like we'll make this appealing to everybody and make it sort of an easy, well, everything we know about the game sounds like they're really trying to lower the difficulty level at least enough to sort of be welcoming to all generations of players. So it doesn't surprise me. It's a, it's an interesting choice. I don't want to see a game that's necessarily easy, but I think that there'll probably the challenge level there will probably exist for more experienced players if they want it, but at least make it inviting for, you know, grandmas and grandpas. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. So I just, I, I had to put that in here. I don't know if that was already known, but I was happy to hear it when I, when I saw that. Kirby and the Amazing Mirror is now available on Nintendo Switch Online for the Game Boy Advance. If you're interested, I know that that is a pretty beloved Kirby game. So check that out. This last one, I had to write this in because I have a very specific memory with this game and it's obscure and really weird that this is happening. Obscure horror game for the DS Dementium. The Ward is coming to Nintendo Switch. This is a game that I checked out. I don't know if a friend had it or something like that on Nintendo DS. I was so intrigued. It's a first person horror game on the DS, Mm -hmm. a a console filled with kids games, just this M rated brutal game. And it's coming to Nintendo switch. Now game explain had the exclusive reveal trailer, which I thought was kind of interesting. It doesn't look like they've upgraded the graphics too much. It actually kind of has almost a style to it the way they've, they've done it. But this was just too weird. I thought this game was tucked somewhere in the back of my brain. And then I saw this. I thought, what the what the heck? They're bringing back uh, this Dementium game. So let me know if anyone else has heard of this. This game, uh, I saw like, I think it was pretty low print run. So it's worth like 80 bucks now for the oh, DS. Wow. So but yeah, this was a, a crazy one to just suddenly re-emerge. Yeah, if you haven't heard of that game, you like Google it because the cover is just so startling for, like you mentioned, a DS game. Like imagine you're at GameStop with your kid and you're seeing Yoshi and all these things. And then here's this like horrifying cover just right in the mix with all the other games. And it's like, that's not what I expected to be on DS. But I'm interested in this. It's not something I ever played before, but I I like the random horror game on Switch. I played the uh, Fatal Frame, you know, Maiden of the Black Water on Switch. Mm -hmm. It's a fun little place to play horror games. You know, it just some of them don't look great in the first place. So that works just fine for me. But it it, maybe it adds some of the jank adds a little more suspense in the way that like when a game doesn't work, there's like a creep factor to that just in itself. So uh, this is actually something I'm interested in. Cool. Well, I'm glad I, I put it in there. It's like I said, it's very obscure uh, niche game, though. Maybe I don't know. Maybe people remember it. This this video came out on the the trailer came out on the 28th and they've got 16,000 views over on Game Explained. So mm-hmm. I wonder how that will uh, do over on Switch. Dagan, I'll throw this over to you now for a little little Dagan segment. Oh, kind right. of freshen us ready? up here in this pod. All right, you guys. I have a little something I've been working on. A little little segment I, I call Nintendo Truth or Dare. Now, Ooh. we're just workshopping. It's okay. in beta. Let's just consider this the beta version. Sure. Because really right now, it's just Nintendo Truth. We have to work out how to incorporate the dare aspect. <laughs> but let's just start it. And maybe by the time Gene gets back, 
I'll have a working version, a sort of alpha version. But right now we're in beta. But basically, this is the gist of it. I want you guys to give me each a bad or unpopular Nintendo take, like something like Zelda sucks. You know, like let's really do like a, a bravery test. Let's see how courageous you guys are. Or what I'm thinking is just a public acknowledgement, right, of some truth concerning you and Nintendo. Something like I never actually owned a Nintendo console prior to Switch, right? Like some some fact that we may be surprised to hear concerning Nintendo mm-hmm. and maybe something that's like an admittance of calling in your, your Nintendo, calling into question your Nintendo pedigree, right? People are like, oh, how much could he possibly be on Nintendo? There was this thing. You know, so that's it. And eventually we'll do try to do like a punishment thing where if you don't want to do a truth, you got to do a dare. Right. Mm, you got to drink the chocolate milk with the ketchup in it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. I don't think I I could. I think I would throw up. Yeah. That sounds like a bit much, but fun. That could be really mm. that could that could get some eyeballs on the podcast. Just the gross food factor incorporate. I'm not I'm not opposed to that, Micah. So. (laughs) So, for instance, right, if, if you guys were asking me, I would say I completely missed, in all honesty, the entire GameCube generation. I didn't play one GameCube game while the GameCube was still relevant at all, yeah. right? And, you know, I was busy. I just wasn't in video games at that time. So that would be my Nintendo. That would be my Nintendo gap where it was like, why is this guy doing a Nintendo podcast? He never even played, you know, he played GameCube many years later. So that's, if you have something like that, Bring it to the table. I'll start with Micah. Micah, what's your and it could if you don't have a thing to admit like a public truth, then just say a bad take that you have with Nintendo that a lot of people wouldn't agree with. No, I so we've talked about it before on the podcast that I'm not really into the Zelda games. And I've said before it's because I don't really enjoy the puzzles. You know, I just feel like I feel like the gameplay is too halting in those ways because it's like I'm having fun fighting enemies and then I got to do puzzles and I, it's just not for me. But I really am starting to just come around to the fact that it's it's less so that I because I, I blamed it on myself saying like I'm just not smart enough for these games. But even watching other people play them, I'm just realizing I just don't like them. You know, I think I'm ready to just admit in, instead of being more of an apologist and saying that oh, I'm not good enough to play the Zelda games. I'm not, you know, I think I'm just ready to admit that I just don't like them because I'm watching the Game Grumps playthrough of Tears of the Kingdom. Mm. And uh, the entire time I was hoping that maybe it would make me say like, oh, this looks fun. And it doesn't like it just (laughs) I'm enjoying their commentary. I'm watching it because I enjoy listening to them. But the reality is that's like, if anything, it's made me just realize more and more like, I don't want to do any of this. I'm watching them build a little car and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm watching them do the shrines. I don't want to do that. The only part that looked interesting to me is like the combat and then the weapons break and I'm like, I don't want to do that. So like, (laughs) I think I'm ready to just admit that like, there's nothing wrong with me and there's nothing wrong with these games either but I just don't like them. I think I'm ready to just finally say it that I don't like Zelda games versus making sort of these excuses as to why I don't play them. And maybe if some of that was just being afraid of the internet and you know, the pitchforks (laughs) coming for my house, but I think I'm ready to say that I just don't like them and that, and that should be fine. That really should be okay. (laughs) That should be enough. I love the honesty. Mm. I do. I just love it. That's what about you. I have, I'm going to, I've got a truth that may be a dare, uh, oh. but I'm 
I'm willing to say it. I don't know if I'm willing to defend it. It's just how I feel <laughs> about a certain series or a, a, even a sub series. I don't like Donkey Kong Country. I never okay. have. I can't get into it. I can't get into the gameplay. I, I think that the whole family is cool. The Cranky Kong, you know, he's sitting on his rocking chair. I think he's awesome. Yeah. Diddy Kong, he's awesome, too. I like that his hat says Nintendo on it. I think they look visually very cool, particularly Super Nintendo. They have that sort of CG look for sprites that I think is awesome. I can't get into any of those games. Uh, I've always found them to be maybe it's maybe I'm filtered by them. Maybe they're kind of too hard for me in some degree, I think. And I even tried to get into the new ones like Tropical Freeze, which some people say is like one of the best Switch games ever. Can't get into that either. Can't get into it. No, it's crazy difficult for me. I thought so, too. I was like, this is it's one of those. uh, Again, this might be copium, so that's that's (laughs) fine. But I can I'm I play a lot of hard games. I've beaten many hard games. Sometimes I play a hard game and think I'm not having enough fun to get good at this game. And some people will say, well, you just suck. That's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. That's fine. I'm, I'm ready. Bring it on. Get but good. yeah, never. I can't get into Donkey Kong Country. I never, never could. That's why I hope this new Donkey Kong game. I want it to be more like Donkey Kong 64, even though I only played that game a little bit. Just not a Donkey Kong Country game, please. I respect it. I respect both takes. You know, I remember Donkey Kong Country came out the first one right when I was leaving for college. I remember how beautiful it looked. Mm-hmm. And I remember just not being particularly interested in playing it and feeling bad about it. And then my kind of legacy with that that entire franchise just kind of spawned from that point. It was always this like indifference for some reason. Sure. And to the fact of feeling judgy about it, it's like, how can you judge? You never even played it. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, re- I respect the takes, my friend. You're putting yourself out there by wearing your heart on your sleeve. Because you're yeah. going to get some criticism. Look at me at the Houston uh, event with uh, Mario 64. Sure. There was one very angry person there. <laughs> very upset. Yes. Very yeah, upset. That, was, that was amazing. <laughs> I will say, okay, I want to be clear about a slight difference is that I don't like Metroid Prime and I will defend not liking it. And I think that other people should not like it because of my reasons. Okay. Okay. That's bold. Donkey Kong Country, I don't like it. I won't defend it. I see the merit in it. I see its goodness. It's just the goodness doesn't relate to me. I want to make that clear. It's a very big difference. Metroid Prime fans, you're wrong. Donkey Kong fans, (laughs) we're not the same. It's a very big difference. I want to be clear about that. I wonder if Metroid Prime 4 will make a believer of you, Dust. I don't know. I'm I'm not saying it's going to or it's not going to. I understand that it's not conventional Dude, traditional metroid though i think metroid in general is awesome i love super metroid oh. and i want to like metroid prime and maybe i've never played two or three if they put those on switch i will absolutely check them out i'm excited for metroid prime 4 but yeah yeah first one didn't do it for me so i hear you i hear you on that one yeah for sure nice job you guys nice job we'll yeah. again we'll workshop this one we'll try to make it you know sort of a crime and punishment <laughs> yeah you don't want to be you don't want to admit your truth then you got to take the dare yeah okay yeah we'll try to we're gonna try to work that in okay sounds good guys let's get into the games we've been playing micah let's throw it to you first because you have been playing sea of stars and you have finished it 
This is also a game I've been oh. checking out. But how are you feeling now that you're done with it? Yeah. So I'm going to say completely spoiler free, of course, for mm-hmm. this. So what I'm going to say is I finished the main story of the game. What, how I'm feeling about this, though, is that I am done with it for now, at least. Uh, I have not 100% done everything that's possible to do, but I'm ready to walk away from this game. It was very fun. The combat was incredible, really engaging. I loved the story. But it's one of those things that feels like the Octopath games where it's like, I did the main story quest and I I know that there's so much more to do. There's so much more to explore, but I'm just ready to be done with it. I want to stop playing the game before I get sick of it. That's kind of always how I feel with things of like, I don't want to get to a point where I'm sick of playing this. And I hit about 30 hours when I finished the game and I'm just ready to walk away from it. I enjoyed the experience a lot. This might be a game I go back to during like our Christmas break and try and clean up some of the, you know, the side stuff. But the reality for me is like, I'm just ready to be done with it. It's, Mm -hmm. I didn't want this game to start feeling like it was dragging, but it just a little towards the end it did. So I am just happy to walk away at this point, having finished, you know, the main quest and everything. And it, it was, it was very enjoyable. I recommend it to everybody but it it is one of those games that frustrates me a tiny bit much like octopath of like i wish you didn't hide stuff you know away in other i I just wanted this to just be a let me finish the game and actually finish it without having like 20 more hours of stuff to do so it's a little frustrating in that regard but i also just i have the willpower to walk away Partly because playing it on Switch, there's no trophies or anything for anyone to see. So I'm not being shamed for not doing (laughs) everything, you know. And I I did get sidetracked with some random stuff like the Wheels minigame. I got lost in that for hours. I Mm. absolutely got addicted to Wheels. I went one day and just played Wheels for like two hours. I just loved it. So I had my moments where I went off the beaten path. But yeah, I'm, I'm ready to be done with it. Ready to move on to something new. But really enjoyed the experience. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback off that just um, since I've been playing it also just lightly. I've been kind of it's been like a lesser focus for me. But right now I'm ready for the game to get going on its main story. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm not very far. In fact, I just unlocked that wheels game that you mentioned. Yes. So if that gives you an idea of how far I am, there's some does, yeah. pirate stuff going on. So I'm guessing that's still very early. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So again, I played it mostly on my on the plane to Japan and I picked it up for maybe half hour, 45 minutes, a few different times since then. But uh, I'm like, what, what am I doing right now? Like, what are we doing? What's going on? I, we've, I've seen some glimpses of what the overall story is, and I'm ready for that to kind of fuel me to come back. But the last few times I've sat down to play, I've decided to play other stuff just because... Uh, I'm not there. I, I just it's not the game's fault. It's my fault right now. No, I, I agree with you, though. The game starts off very slowly. I mean, mm-hmm. that is something that's maybe one of my biggest criticisms of the game is that it has a very slow startup. It really gives you your hero's origin story. And it mm-hmm. just takes a while. And it's just one of those things of I was with you in saying, yeah, you're letting me have the combat. But just as an example, like the full combat for the game doesn't open up right away. Like there are abilities that are unlocked maybe two or three hours in. And it's just a little boring at first when you're just all you can do is like the most basic attacks. And, and, you know, in every like RPG, you unlock better moves later on. But I just mean to say, like, 
the functionality of the, the the combat system like is hidden away for the first few hours mm. and then it gets engaging like then it gets really fun but that was a frustrating point for me and something i talked about with colin as well as he was playing it that i do think the game starts off too slow there are yeah. some things that if if i was at the helm of this game i would have gotten it going a little bit faster i think they did just kind of keep you held back too long sure yeah i think that in my experience so far, which is probably three hours in or so, yeah, the beginning is definitely a little slow, but it is still, I think, you know, been pretty awesome. And it seems like you agree with me as well. So I know we're going to be doing some kind of spoiler cast something for that. I won't be ready to do it. So that'll be a you and Colin thing. Most likely maybe Maddie. I don't know. I don't know if he's played it either, but so we'll be doing something on Sea of Stars Micah, this other game, I've heard of this. In fact, I need to Google it. But is this uh, Mineko? Am I saying that right? Mineko? Mineko's oh, Night Market? I have no idea how to say it, actually, because here's the dealio with this game. This was yeah. announced way back in 2015. Okay. Oh, wow. I've mm. been waiting for this game since then. I remember the announcement trailer. I remember thinking, I can't wait for this game to come out. I'm so excited. I don't know how to actually say it. Yeah, we would say like Neko for cat so maybe it is Mineko's night market yeah i was but, trying to read it like it was a japanese word but it's definitely not a japanese game uh, oh no it is it's based on like japanese oh, lore though that's oh. that's the thing um it's all I, I i don't know if it's like a japanese studio to say but like it's all based on like japanese folklore so it mm-hmm. is like it, the spirit of that but so game was announced 2015 i think it was supposed to come out in like 2019 and then it got delayed i think to 2020 and then, of course, got delayed several more times. Now it's 2023 and we finally have this game. Wow. This game came out long enough ago that it was it was years ago. I won a little contest on Twitter. It was just like retweet to win like a, a Maneko's Night Market pencil case and like some stickers. And I won that and I was thinking, oh, great, the game's going to be out soon. And that was like several years ago. So mm. the game's finally out. It's unfortunately not doing very well. I have to remind myself the IGN review was not good like they might have given it like a four or something like it was just not good but I've been waiting so long for it I just had to try it for myself okay they gave it a five and I just had Mm. to try it for myself though a lot of the issues that people are talking about though I'm hoping will get fixed because it's things I'm experiencing as well mostly just performance issues it's you know a little side scrolly farming sim type game it's very laggy, you know, just walking around, like you pause for a second and then she'll take several steps forward. Like the loading times are terrible and just things like, oh, you know, your dad walks into the room, he kind of appears at the doorway and then suddenly he's halfway in the room and it's like, I think you were supposed to walk in, you know, oh. there's, it's just stuttering <laughs> a lot. So uh, I, I'm hoping that some of that stuff gets fixed. It's really cute. The story is adorable. Just like, you know, the short time I've played it so far, I'm going to see how much I can play it without getting frustrated. But it is a disappointment of, man, I've been waiting for this game since 2015 and it's finally mm-hmm. here. I I am glad, though, that I didn't buy the physical release. They did like a limited physical option. And I was just like, I don't know, because hearing rumblings about it and for once, I'm glad I didn't actually get it because I think I'd be like really mad <laughs> if I had actually like ponied up for the physical copy, page shipping and all that. So it's not something I would actively recommend to people at this point. 
I'll mention in the future, though, like if it actually does get a patch and get like some fixes, apparently they're working on it. You know, uh, other reviews I've read have said that the, de- the developer is working on fixing some of these issues. So I'm hoping that's true and that it's like swift. But it- it's a big disappointment just given the fact that this game was delayed so many times and then it's released in this state is just like really sad. But I wanted to mention it in case other people are curious about the game that I would wait on it right now. I hate to say that. I don't want to like take money away from these devs, but it's not great right now on Switch. That's for sure. Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend playing it on Switch as of right now. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful. You know, I it's it is one of those things where you feel bad because it, it seems to be this uh, solo developer Meowza, I believe. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But at the same time, you also want to make sure you get something that's working and good so right like you know i feel bad knocking on it but it's like i wanted to try it i you know i paid the money for the game i wanted to see what it was all about i've also just like kind of couldn't resist you know even waiting this Mm -hmm. long for a game but in its current state i i would wait until there's like a patch for it for sure or like if you really want to buy it you know maybe don't play it right away because it's it's just not good right now yeah that's well, uh unfortunate but glad to hear you're checking out you know these we, it's good to have representation of these smaller games even if they are getting a, a five out of ten on ign <laughs> or whatever <laughs> Dagan, i want to start you off by reading this write-in from our friend ricky hannon please says, hey box punchers just wanted to write in to tell Dagan that he isn't alone with vampire survivors induced mm. carpal tunnel for reference, I'm 23 and play Rocket League daily, and I don't get any hand pains from them, uh, from them. but I'd get intense pain in my hand from playing Versus. I'd have to put it on hold until I got a Steam Deck and move, and move the movement to the touchpads. Anyway, thanks for the great content. I always look forward to it. So, Dagan, it sounds like uh, a little pain from surviving out there. I mean, I don't love it, but I love having somebody to uh, sympathize with. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, I've been very casual with the Switch over the past, since the last episode, you know, more Vampire Survivor, pushing through the pain. I just want to get to the 20 minute surviving achievement and I can't because it hurts. Mm. And I, I'm going to switch over to sort of the touchscreen mobile mode and try that. But I like the way the game plays. I don't really want to change it, but I think for the sake of my left wrist, that got us on my right wrist. That I have mm. to try something new. But yeah, Vampire Survivor, I just, I can't quit it. You know, I can't quit it, man. And um, the other thing I've been playing, just really casual platforming, just more Disney Illusion Island. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. You can just jump in and jump out, whatever. Again, I think we've been busy with Knockback, doing some Sacred Symbols plus two. The next couple of weeks, two to three weeks, I would say, will be largely reserved for Sacred Symbols plus. I won't spoil those. But then we do have a lot of switch happening, especially for myself in October and November. I will, I will tell you guys this with Sea of Stars. I played the demo, loved it. The game already looked great. And I actually bought it, but never popped it open. But I'm getting a rare thing for myself. I'm getting serious FOMO with this game, which doesn't typically happen to me, especially with games especially in my ripe old age. What am I getting FOMO about? But I have to play Sea of Stars. So I'm going to start it right after this big Sacred Symbols Plus push. 
and it'll dovetail around the same, maybe early October before we get Wonder. Sonic Superstars comes out October 17th. I'm very excited about that. And there's some other stuff for Switch coming out in October that I really want to play. Wargroove 2 looks really good. Long Gone Days looks really good. So a little tactical RPG and a little sort of another thing that's sort of this isometric. That Long Gone Days thing just looks super good. I love the pixel art. There's something about the art direction. I really want to play that. And then, of course, I think I'm going to check out WarioWare. And we have Super Mario RPG later in November. So we're going to have a lot to do, you know, and a lot to get off the plate because early 2024, we're getting Contra. And of course, in March, we're getting Princess Peach, which I got to say, Dustin, very excited about it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm psyched for Princess Peach. So there's a lot to do with Switch. I just have to get through the next two or three weeks of doing a bunch of stuff for Sacred. And that'll be exciting. But yeah, the Sea of Stars, man, I just, I have to play it. I have to find a way to at least like chip away an hour a night. And just, again, it looks beautiful. I love the nod to 16-bit RPGs. That's my wheelhouse. But um, yeah, I can't, it's one of those things I just cannot not play it. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing on my wish list is, you know, my plan, which I think I told you guys like a month ago. I want to return to Tears of the Kingdom once the commotion dies down. There's just something appealing in that to me to like, all right, wait for the din to die down. Like, wait for everybody to be over it. They're done. They spent their time. Now I want to go in hype free and just kind of enjoy it without hearing it every two seconds. Mm -hmm. But I can't find the time to do it. You know, I'm so intimidated by knowing how long it's going to take, especially the way I play games. So that's another thing I have to sort of incorporate and plot and sort of work into my strategy somehow yeah. my, my gaming approach but yeah so there's there's going to be a lot to do and a lot to talk about which is kind of a who knew going into the next console generation or that at least being in the offing that there'd be so much to talk about in the coming weeks yeah but there's going to be a lot i think that what we should do is just uh have colin in mike and i's case we'll hire people to do all of our work Except for so we can just game and appear on shows. Love it. And Dagan, we'll give you an, an insane amount uh, to cover. So you just quit quit animating and you can just game and <laughs> podcast as well. We're going to run the company it. broke, but we're going <laughs> to we're going to do it while gaming. So I don't see a problem. It's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. Uh, and then we can all be homeless after that. So <laughs> that'll be definitely worth it. So. I wanted to read this question here. I didn't know where else to put this uh, for my what you've been playing. I've been playing Lies of P. I don't really need to talk about it too much. It's not on Nintendo. It's a Pinocchio Dark Souls game. <laughs> as silly as that sounds. Ooh. It's a, it's all right. It's not quite hitting all the right things for me. But I'm, I'm more interested in talking about this from Michael G, who says, hey, y'all just snagged my transparent blue analog pocket mm-hmm. the other day. Thanks to Dustin's heads up. And I'm currently preparing my collection for its arrival. Got me curious. What are all y'all's experience with retro gaming hardware? Have you messed around with RetroArch gear uh, or analogs lineup? Seen the light on the NES SNES Classic? Uh, purchased one of those janky Sega ones? Or are you still clinging to original hardware? So, Mike, I'm going to use your question for an opportunity to talk about Analog Pocket because I'm so excited. I ordered one of these. If anyone doesn't know what Analog Pocket is, it's basically a fancy Game Boy that it's a re- a new Game Boy that is made by a company called Analog. 
And I've been trying to think about a way how to describe this and have it make sense because it only half makes sense to me. But hear me out. It runs off of FPGA technology, which the long story short about FPGA is that normally emulators create a software environment in which they use software to emulate hardware of Game Boy or something like that. FPGA has a very special type of processor in it that they're able to hard code and 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 uh, emulate the actual hardware on that hardware. <laughs> Again, this is where I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, trying to make sense of it. So with that, you get extremely authentic and accurate gameplay. In fact, some people wouldn't even call it emulation. Technically, it is a form of emulation, but it's very different. So you're getting very accurate Game Boy playing on this. And also what's crazy about it is that this screen has this not a super tiny, a relatively fine size screen for the handheld, but it they managed managed to cram a 1440p screen in this tiny little thing. So you have super high pixel density. And with that, it's able to emulate the different Game Boy screens screens to the point where they are emulating the lines between the pixels that so you would cool. see on a Game Boy, which I think is so neat. Uh, they were very expensive. Mine was $250 and then you got to pay shipping and taxes. And I bought the dock that comes with it. So, yeah, I just had to wax poetic for a second about how excited I am about the analog pocket. I got the blue one as well. Tried to get the atomic purple. It sold out uh, while I was in line uh, on the store, the virtual line to buy it. It sold out, but I quickly snagged the blue instead. But I wanted to ask you about this digging briefly. I know you're in the into retro stuff. Have you seen the stuff from analog? Has it tempted you? Oh, at man. All? Everything they do, like shout out to the wizards at analog. They do. They just do beautiful work. They, they are pricey, but you know, you're Absolutely. getting a lot of bang for your buck. I mean, for really traditionally, I'm a retro console hardware purist, mm-hmm. you know, especially from the 8-bit and 16-bit generation, both domestic and import. You know, that's really my wheelhouse. TurboGrafx-16, PC Engine, Genesis, Mega Drive, NES Famicom, SNES Super Fami. Like that's my thing. I have all the originals. But I do have I do have the the clone consoles too. I have you know, my whole, I always said I wouldn't go in for them and I would just stay, stay pure. But I, years ago, my first delving into that was I bought a little Hyperkin AV adapter for my Graphics 16. And then once I broke the seal, I was like, ah, fuck it. And then I just mm-hmm. bought a Hyperkin Retro, Retron 5. I, I have a Retro, Retron 2 HD. I have an analog NT Mini. That was very expensive. And I oh, think- Oh, you have the, the NT Mini. And I think that the, yeah, we, we got that. Colin and I bought that because we thought we were going to be doing more Let's Plays, retro Let's Plays for Knockback. Yeah. And we wanted to record them in high quality because I think it's still in the box. We never even used it. And I think I did buy that secondhand, actually. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it only plays NES and Famicom. And, yes. you know, like things like the Retron 5 play a myriad of retro, you know, retro stuff. So that was a, that was a, like my most expensive, you know, uh, console outside of the traditional originals. But yeah, man, I, I just, I think analog does awesome work and I'm really impressed by the variety of colors for this, 
this new console, oh, yeah. man. I was like, whoa, it's a rainbow. Some people are, I think justifiably, and I actually kind of agree with this, that analog, as you said, they make amazing products. They are high quality. You are paying a premium to yes. get a premium device. Of course, there are better value devices out there. Uh, but it is it sucks when it's like, hey, we've got these color versions and we're releasing it this time and they sell it in five minutes and then they're gone. Yeah, that's, that's tough. That's it. So so if, if someone's hearing about this for the first time now, uh, there's no way for you to buy any analog pocket right now unless you go and, and buy a scalped one on yeah, eBay. It sucks. Hand. Dude, Dane, you have that uh, that mini uh, the NT mini. I think that that is probably appreciated in value to a high degree. I don't yeah, know what you they, paid for it, but a loose one outside of the box, the V1, I'm seeing one on eBay. It sold for $715. I'm not surprised. I think they were $500 brand new. Right. Back yeah. then, right? And I think we, again, we bought it secondhand. I think it was very gently used. Mm. Maybe we paid 300 for it at that point. Dude, yeah. You know, which was a bargain. And again, like never even, not that it's not, it's still in the shrink wrap, it was used, but we never used it. So for all I know, it doesn't even work because I think that was an eBay purchase. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that, and you know, I thought when I first started collecting ret- for retro games, 8 and 16 bit, let's say it was 10 years ago now, it was a little longer than that. I got these Hyperkins and these analogs because I thought it would be back up for the original consoles if like my Famicom broke. Or something like that. That's never happened to any of my retro consoles. The actual thing, you know, the real things. But I think I saw it that way of like, I want to be able to play it. So I'm going to have these as backups, these Hyperkins and everything. But yeah, it's funny that I never, I never really had to use them. Yeah. You know, it's a good, it's a nice option for people. If you don't want to be a maniac, like I am, like you don't really need the originals. If there's an, you're still, you're kind of, you're not playing on emulator. It's true you're not playing on the original hardware, but you're still getting that tactile experience of putting a cartridge in the slot, playing with a controller that's not, you know, on your PC, you know, so it's a nice, it's a nice hybrid of the experiences. You're still getting somewhat of a traditional experience Mm. with the, with the clone consoles. So why not? In, in, In the case of the pocket, it's one of those things where you see when you, so for a Super Nintendo, you, pl- you can plug it in. You can have a great experience on a CRT or you can get some adapters to have it run nicely on you know, an, a newer TV. Game Boy hardware, though, not it's it's not quite as easy going back and playing on those screens. So I, I like point. this idea of like, hey, we're going to try to make this as authentic as possible uh, while also getting rid of the things that the bad stuff, like the the smeary looking screen with no backlights, stuff like yeah, that. You could actually I think that see that's, it. Uh, you know, that's cool. I am curious. You can run uh, any or NES and SNES on the analog pocket now. That's so fantastic. I'm also like you, Dag, where obviously I love having a CRT and and running games off native hardware. I spent a lot of money to be able to do that, but I've just, I've gotten more realistic where there's certain games that I want to play like Chrono Trigger. I need to be able to play it on the go and not just sitting here in this room. Like I just yeah. want to be able to, so I'm, I'm going to try to break some of that and be more open-ended uh, with where I play some of these games. But yeah, we'll be, I'll definitely update on the analog pocket because that's going to come just two weeks, I think. Uh, nice. Two-week two ship time. So, guys, let's get into these 
final listener questions to round out this show and we can go eat lunch. We started, this is our episode 11. We started at 11 and this is good because it was, we were like all flustered coming in, trying to get stuff done in the morning to get to record this show. Now I'm just really hungry at the end of the show because it's one and I haven't eaten lunch, but that's okay. Bigfoot Tim 90 writes in and says, it drives me nuts that the only console I really think has a good library to play games with kids has controllers that break easy and has no way to password your own account. So if you have a family switch like I do, you can't keep your own account on it because once your kid's time is up, they can just hop onto your unrestricted profile. By the way, I'm curious if that there has to be a way to lock your account on Switch. I think there is. There has to be. Bigfoot yeah. Tim, I I wanted to read your question because there you have another line here that I wanted to, to ride off of. But look into that. I think there's a way to lock it. But here here's his question. My question to you all is what drives you the most insane when it comes to Nintendo's decision making? And the question is, what doesn't drive me insane with Nintendo's decision making? Because I can't stand this company sometimes. I'll just name one. The most uh, recent particular one is that I bought Sea of Stars digitally on Switch so I could play it on the way to Japan. Holly sees me playing it or, or see, you know, looks at saw gameplay. She says, I would like to play that. I said, sorry, babe, there's nothing we can do because sure, there is some level of account sharing on Switch. But as soon as we get up in the air and you don't have Wi-Fi, you can't play that. There's no way. There's no way for us to both play. I don't think maybe there's some fuckery where you can start it and not turn it off. But I don't know. I just know that Nintendo's form of family account sharing is so restrictive and annoying. And I can't stand it because that's why a lot of times Holly and I buy. It's great when we have cartridges because we can just switch between our consoles and not have to worry about, Oh, is it going to be, have to be online? Does it have to do some kind of authentication check? I just can't stand it. So that's my current annoyance with Nintendo. Micah, what bothers you in current Nintendo's decision-making? Oh, I'm with you on that of just, it seems like the general trend is just often making things more difficult than they have to be like setting Mm -hmm. up my Wii U for the first time in years. And it's like, oh, you want to go to the settings? You have to do that from the gamepad. Why? Yeah. I'm looking at a giant TV <laughs> and you're going to make me navigate all the settings on this little screen. There, it really was just like, we're going to force you to use the gamepad. Why? I'm just, I'm not playing a game or anything. I'm just going to the settings. I'm just trying to set up the account. It's things like that. And like you said, with like the sharing, wasn't it Animal Crossing that like you can only have one island like per one switch. island per switch. It doesn't matter if you have multiple accounts. You have to have nope. multiple switches to have your own <laughs> island. Isn't that, that crazy? Dude, that's, that's a fucking money decision. I if mean, I've ever heard of it. Yeah, seriously. Like, that's just bonkers. Yeah. Being able to share games. It's like, yeah, even it, that's nuts. That's honestly just nuts to me of like, what are you talking about? Like, if I have my own account, I can't start up my own game on here. That's that's nuts. So my my general thing is just I find very often Nintendo just makes some decisions that are like, why did you make this so difficult uh, to the point that you're right? You know, it probably is like, look, just buy your own switch and buy them their own copy of the game. And then like they can just go play it themselves. It's like, all right. But it's it seems a little ridiculous for some of these titles that like there really is no work around. Dude, and just think about parents. You know, we're we're just a, a week or two into the lockdowns of COVID-19 they go that, Oh, I'm going to get my kid animal cross my kids, animal crossing. 
they buy one copy, they get home and they realize, well, maybe the kids don't care about sharing the island. Kids can maybe share the island and get away with it because they just don't whatever. They're playing a game. There is no way on God's green earth. Holly and I were going to share an island no. on Animal Crossing. I'm going to pick ever. all the fruit and then you're going to be upset about it. That's what's going to happen. But I want all the apples. Like that's yeah. literally like if I had to share that like with my sister or something, for example, if I was a kid, it'd be like you picked all the flowers. You know, like I could just see mm-hmm. that being an argument like you went, you picked all the apples, you already sold them. I didn't get to play any of that because like maybe it's your turn to play. Maybe the kids take our turns. But what you do with that <laughs> hour, Animal Crossing is a regenerative experience of like you got to wait for the apples to grow back. Like yeah. you can't play for an hour and do everything on the island. But here you go and hand it off to your sibling. You've already done everything for the day. The villagers don't need help anymore. You did all their silly little tasks. Like, you know, you can just completely mess that up for the next person in line if you had to share with somebody. Yeah, it's uh, that definitely was absolutely a, a, a baffling uh, one of many, of course. Like I said, mm. this is just constant. So, Dig, I'm sure just like Micah and I, you had no problem. Did you have any problem coming up with anything here? I mean, just, I feel like there's a list. <laughs> I could list a few more, but dig it up, please. I know. I feel like this is a large, consistent talking point of our show. I never knew that about Animal Crossing and the one island because my son was the only one interested in playing that those games or that game, that specific one. So I never even ran into that. Or knew that was an issue. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. We got kind of lucky. Dodged a bullet yeah, on that. You one are for lucky. Sure. It could have been like a Lore of the Flies situation on that island. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. I mean, it was <laughs> especially because it was interesting. My older, you know, my daughter was in and out, and it was kind of always sporadic what she chose to play and what she chose to just be hands off with. So we could have got really unlucky with that, but I don't think she ever really played Animal Crossing. So he was on his own, which worked out fortunately. But yeah, man. I mean, I know we talk about this a lot with the transparent cash grabs and stuff, but I'll say the one thing for me, because I still feel the pain of this so many years later, is just their history of seemingly intentional scarcity. I know we've talked mm. about that before, but it took me... Now, think about this. When the Wii came out, I was living outside of Philadelphia. This is like one of the major metropolitan areas in the country. I think Philly's like the sixth biggest city in the country. It used to be five until Phoenix took over, right? So huge metropolitan area, huge, important, like smile belt area, consumer area, right? Millions and millions of people. Couldn't get a Wii for the better part of a year. Colin finally had to buy one for me in San Francisco and mail it to me. I could not, I I might not still have a Wii. It was ridiculous. I would check in at all the big box stores and department stores almost every day. And they and the the thing back I remember back then it was like they didn't even have a line on it. Like I got at first I was like, oh, they're giving me the runaround, until it got to the point where I got to know some of these people, the managers at the various tech departments in these places, and they were just like, we really don't know when they're coming, how many we're getting. There's no rhyme or reason to it, until the fact that yeah, I had to get one from the West Coast. Thank God I had Colin, and he was kind of juiced in. He was at IGN at the time, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's that artificial scarcity. Even if it's not artificial, just the scarcity is maddening. Could really be maddening. I know people go through that with certain amiibos. We've talked about that. Certain physical renditions of games. But yeah, the Wii thing was just... It gave me... It actually made me 
a pre-order day one guy from the Wii U forward because I was afraid of missing out like I did with the Wii. I mean, it was months while that thing was just churning and I was just like, can I have, can I have one? And then the answer was always no. <laughs> yeah. I, the Wii situation was just, I remember the madness of people trying to get those and I got lucky and happened to be at the GameStop and they're like, oh, we're maybe going to have two later. Come back. And we did. And we got the second one. It was just insane. And yeah, that's super annoying. It's especially frustrating because it's like, dude, it's a console for kids. This is for children. But that won't stop Nintendo from these crazy <laughs> decisions. They know they know where the money is. So uh, last question here comes from Just OK Jeremy, who says, hey, punching up crew. What was a Nintendo franchise you missed out when you were younger and then revisited and now love as an adult? Me growing up, I missed out on Zelda entirely until I played Ocarina of Time on 3DS on release when I was 19. And now is one of my favorite series. Have a great day, Jeremy. Uh, I'll say two quick ones. Just number one, I was not into Animal Crossing initially when it came out. I didn't get into it really until the 3DS version. I think that's when a lot of people got in. I played a little bit of the DS version, but I never the GameCube version. Totally, totally missed that. Didn't have a GameCube growing up. The other one, we'll see. This isn't a pending, but with the analog pocket coming in, I was looking to see what some of the best Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games are that I may have missed. Totally missed the Wario Land series. So I bought Wario Land 3, I think, for Game Boy Color. I want to get 4. I couldn't there were a few places that had it at the at uh, Pittsburgh Retro Gaming Convention that I was at this past weekend. One of them, the guy wanted $50 and earlier we had heard him. Someone was like, are you sure this is an authentic cart? And he's like, eh, I don't know. I think it is. <laughs> I'm like, OK, well, I'm not spending a $10 premium on a game that you may or may not know that you told someone hey. else. Oh, I don't know if it's uh, authentic. So fuck that guy. But yeah, <laughs> so we'll see. I'm going to check out a uh, Wario Land coming up here but Micah is there any Nintendo IP that you are have has enriched your life as an adult that you never touched as a kid yeah for me it is the Kirby games and I'm nice. checking yeah um because I think the first one that I really got into was Kirby Triple Deluxe on 3DS mm. and then you know I went back and played some other ones like Kirby like um I really like Planet Robobot and now, like, I've played, you know, the Kirby games on Switch, uh, Star Allies, and the Forgotten Land. And, of course, like, on the SNES Classic, there's Kirby's Dream Course. I got super into Kirby as an adult. He's cute. He's just adorable. I love when he has all the little outfits. Like, Kirby is something I completely never played as a kid, had no access to it with, like, my very limited gaming resources like Kirby wasn't a game that any of my friends had or played. And mm. so that was something that I think I actually rented triple deluxe, like on Gamefly Cause I'm very sad to not own it on 3ds, but it, it got like weirdly expensive for a while. So I just never bought it. But that was one of those things that like, I tried that and said, Oh, this is fantastic. And, and of course he's like my main in smash brothers as well. When I rarely play that Kirby all the way. So that's the one for me of I'm a real big Kirby fan. I get very excited every time they announce a Kirby game, which slight tangent. I forgot to mention like what I'd actually really love to see like for the next Switch launch lineup, another Yoshi game. 
because we're due mm, we are due mm. for another yoshi game i think maybe the last one came out in 2019 so i definitely yeah. want a new yoshi's crafted whatever yoshi's woolly whatever's like i'm ready for a new one of those and that's i mean another thing that that's kind of more recent but yoshi big fan of that too as an adult didn't experience yoshi's cookie or any of that you know malarkey when i was a kid but as an adult right these yoshi games fantastic yeah mikey you're talking about kirby that was one thing in japan that surprised me is that kirby is very very popular in japan and it's it was interesting because i think i saw just as much kirby as nintendo in general like he, he there's a kirby cafe there was kirby gotcha machines there was kirby all over the place so he is a he is he is alive and in charge and on top of the world in japan she he's relatively popular here too but not seriously this was like nintendo section and then an additional kirby section of stuff as well sometimes that we would see so that's awesome kirby's uh very popular over there but dig throwing this to you any series that you've grown to love that maybe you didn't care about initially yeah you know you make a good point about kirby He's he's very I mean, who doesn't love Kirby, but maybe he doesn't get enough love here yeah. in North America, you know, maybe a little bit under undersung, if not overrated, underrated. Sure. But I remember playing Planet Robobot when that came out, getting it from my son, who was little at that point. And I remember loving that game so much that it drove me backwards again to play replay their earlier games. So super fun. And I think, yes, I know for myself, sometimes I forget about Kirby and I'm like, yeah, Kirby, like. What's not great about it? So good. I think the one, I never really missed anything that I felt like I was missing out on in terms of Nintendo IP specifically. The only thing I could really think of is Pikmin. I still haven't really played anything. And that's the one series I think I would really enjoy just in terms of gameplay, something a little unique, obviously super cute. I think of the two franchises that I had missed outside of Nintendo and playing so much PlayStation for knockback were the two things that I was like, where the fuck was I were the Bioshock series and the uncharted series, you know, Bioshock one, two and uncharted one through four. And then of course, Bioshock infinite, which is like one of my favorite games ever not having those were franchises where I was like, how, how the hell did I miss these? They're, They're so special, you know, but nothing really Nintendo like that, except, you know what? I never played Bayonetta either. And I don't mm. know if I even know what I'm missing or if I would even, I have to delve in at some point and see, because I am genuinely curious just because that's such a different kind of franchise for Nintendo. That's a really different IP for them. Yeah. And that alone wants to, you know, is sort of, it makes me curious. Yeah. One that they uh, chose to adopt, which is interesting just because uh, definitely not in their typical wheelhouse. Bayonetta no. 2 is one of the best action games or whatever you what I don't know how to classify a character action game or whatever I have ever played. It is up there with any oh, Devil May Cry. Bayonetta 2 specific I mean you should it's worth playing all three. One is some people prefer one, two is amazing, three I thought was kind of in the middle but Bayonetta 2 specifically. I got to play that. Fantastic. I'll give it a shot. So, but uh yeah, we brought up Kirby. I want to also mention when I was at the uh, gaming convention yesterday, I learned about, I don't know how I've never seen this. There's Kirby's Dreamland 2 for the Game Boy. I was looking at a lot of Game Boy stuff. He has his own Yoshi 
in the form of a hamster. He rides the the front cover. Let me send you guys this. The front this. cover of Kirby's Dream Land 2, I don't know a lot about this game, is that he's riding a hamster. And I'm very oh, intrigued so by cute. this. I must know more about this man that he's riding. This uh, this little hamster man. What's going on with him? So I love the first one, but I've never played two. Yeah, I, I didn't even know there was a two, to be honest. That's so, so cool. Well, yeah, that's, that's it cute. for this episode of Punching Up. So thanks, everybody. Sorry again. We're, we're, we're down a man, but he will be back. He will return. Gene Park, of course, as, as long as he is when he is willing and able, he'll be back. Like I said earlier, he plans to uh, just wasn't up to it this week. So hopefully we'll see him soon. Of course, thanks to my crew here. Uh, and I'll go to you guys for any closing comments, concerns, or really whatever you want to say. This is your last chance, Micah. Oh, yeah. So I'm ready for the afternoon. As you mentioned, lunch. I'm ready for lunch and also yes. afternoon coffee. I am with you mm. on being, uh, well, you drink coffee morning and afternoon. I'm strictly right. usually an afternoon coffee person. I like to have a mm-hmm. coffee around two o'clock, get me through the rest of the afternoon. So that's what I'm waiting for. I'm going to make myself maybe a little pumpkin spice latte. You know, is that Ooh. time of year? Tis the season. Sure. Okay. Very nice. Good to hear it. Yeah. Coffee, definitely lunch and a coffee are in order for me as well. Dagan, closing, closing thoughts. Super jelly. I already had my coffee allotment and I'm not going to go over it. Am mm. I? Maybe. You guys will never know. Maybe <laughs> I'm going to cheat. You, you may, you're never going to know. Listen, parting shot, less than three weeks from Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Yeah. How dude, crazy it, is that? Those previews coming out. Um, I've been avoiding them, but I'm hearing people. Me too. It's Mario. So this, I, I think that while I think the Mario games are not overhyped, I understand people in a pre-release cycle will definitely probably overhype it. But there's some talk about like this is a game of the year contender. So who knows? We yeah, shall see. Plenty to talk about either way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, patreon.com slash media if you want early uh, and ad free access on audio specifically. Uh, check us out there. And uh, yeah, if you're on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to get all of that last stand content. We very much appreciate everyone listening and hanging out to the very end. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Punching Up, a Nintendo podcast, is a product of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is proudly recorded in the USA. The show is written and produced by me, Dustin Furman. My co-hosts are Gene Park, Dagan Moriarty, and Micah Watson. The show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. Punching Up, along with the rest of Last Stand Media shows, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer level on Patreon, our highest tier, and we're grateful for your kind contributions and generosity to our independent endeavor. Thank you. William Holbert, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, SL the FMA, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Malachi Wall, Dave Cowell, Donald John Vader, Stephen Innerfield, Rallo, Mr. Ayub, Landon Pipkin, Casey Raymond, Corey Tidrington, Exian, Magic Marker 215, Adam Tabiat, Jordan Vallett, Edward Fryrear, Ross R. Lowe, Kevin Hawley, Hugo Delagia, Austin Lipka, Paul Warren, Harold Eustache, Will Williams, Dinos Roar, Nicholas Renaud, Shane Breck, Jack Singh, 
Zinn, Sean Llewellyn, Michael Mash Potato, Sweaty Magic, Nate Izod, Hargeet Chani, Ellis, Albion, Josh Sullinger, Gunner117, Andrew Roman, Lord Starscream, Jacob Donovan, Dark Archer SC, My Name is Mayo, Eddie Medina, Jason Arzan, Sean Hatfield, Christopher Knock, Ryan Daly, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Sorta Serious Gaming, Colin Farley, Mark Arnold, Whiskey Sin, Zia Parix, Sean Miles, Relentless Rex, Alan Tiniak, Dustin Klingman, Christian R., Jad Rita, Patrick Skipper, Jeremy Roberts, Luke Aldersley, Dustin Graff, Zach Cohen, Peyton Stone, Ethan, Fozzie Bear, Michael Buffel, Dan Root, Asak Parades, Dante, Talisman, Christopher Morgan, Randall Halsey, Dio or Die, T-Bone 007, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Zuza, Betty Ann Moriarty, Travis, Joe, Ross Chandler, H-Trons, Antonio C., Ryan, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Theo, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Jordan Gale, Tikos, Of Fortuna, John Zyle, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Alex Lapier, Saul Balcazar, Berto 64, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Matt Flowers, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Kendrick Callis, Jimmy Rodriguez, TB Lightning, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Zach Allum, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Stewie 108, Andy Miller, Patrick Montgomery, Richter 86, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Joel Holcomb, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coates, Logan Sharp, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelek, Jordan Town, Brian Chand, Organic Produce, Carlos Algarit, Mike Menzel, Night Draft, James Hayes, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Joosh, Tyler Lyle, Martin Beck, Gavin, Jerome Ferreira, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lou and Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, John Schultz, Tom Quinn, Carlos Chanter, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Pork and Beans, Jean-Francois Forzi, Tony Zaniga, Robbie Hensley, Shane Miller, Alex Cabrera, Corey Dustin, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, JSC0828, Bo, Jorge Powell, Max Cannon, Thomas Sablin, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmort, Gio Corsi, Joey Gondholiger, Alex Monez, Gerald Pennington, Justin Payne, Justin Wagaman, Austin Riley, Paul Joyce, Alan Hopkins, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Don Lee, John Cordero, Greg Julius, Ashley Carlson, Marius Garson-Peterson, Tyler Harris, Kyle Martin, Mad Mock Media, Bo Burkholtz, and Jonathan Rice.